So oh. Poco Talk episode 53 is now going live in three, two. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroh. everybody to Coco Talk episode 53, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Never mind, it's the only live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer because anything else would suck anyway. So, all right, so we are here <laughs> and it's another week and we've got another cast of characters, a bevel of beauties and uh, we've got regular people, we've got international celebrities, we've got former noobs, we've got new noobs, we've got Curtis, we've got David, we've got all kinds of people here today. So we'll go around the room real quick from left to right to right to left to center to cross angular. We'll start off with our resident Apple guy, although we might have to say he's now our original Apple guy. So Mark D. Overholzer, welcome back, Mark. Thank you. From Planet X, David Ladd is with us once again. Sir David Ladd, Lord of the Floppies. Welcome, David. Why, thank you, Stevie. I'm glad to be here and can't wait to see how the show goes today. Yay! Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing his fedora, James Diffendaffer is back with us again. Welcome back, James. Hello. And we have author of Forest of Doom and the creator of the Coco Forever Project from O Canada. It's Bruce Moray. Howdy. Howdy. From Down Under, author of Too Many Games to Mention, but we'll just say Funstar, available on ROM Cartridge. We have Nick Morentes is with us. Good eye, everyone. <laughs> Good eye, Nick. Good eye. Uh, Author of Timberman and uh, resident rock star Paul Thayer is with us. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it going today? It's going good. From O Canada, we have the co-founder of Nitrous 9 and uh, just an all-around cool guy, uh, Bill Noble is with us. Welcome back, Bill. Which cool guy? Where? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm Cool is in temperature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like in Fahrenheit, eh? Um, uh, I'm noticing some buffering on the live stream. I'm going to stop streaming to you guys. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. Uh, you guys who are watching the live stream, let me know if this clears up here in just a second. Uh, so we're going to keep on with our introductions. We also have the lovely, the talented Grant Leedy. How are you? Hello, everybody. We have Bill's partner in crime, the host of the Coco Games web list website and also co-author of Nitrous 9 and also working on the new Ease of Use project. L. Curtis Boyle is with us. Good day. From Ron's Garage, it's Ron Delvo. Ho, ho. You're muted, Ron, but we, we are, we're glad you're here. 
How you doing, everybody? We're doing good. As seen at PenFest 99 and 2000, creator of the Coco RGB to Scart switcheroo, it's Jason the Coco Man. Yay. Hey, everybody. Hey, and uh, ironically having video problems again uh, today. <laughs> Nothing to do with your cable, right? <laughs> right. No, this, this is basically a PC problem, not a Coco problem. There we go. Oh, so you didn't flip, didn't flip the switch and it helped? It's not a cocoa problem, but it could be. It's not a cocoa problem, but it could be. It should be. We also have somewhat new to the show and also somewhat new to the cocoa. David Lafanis is with us today. Hello, David. It was now muted and possibly falling off the call. We'll find out. And last but not least... Last but certainly not least, creator of too many things. I'm sorry. Hi, everyone. This is David. I was indeed (laughs) muted. Hey, David, welcome to Coco Talk, and welcome to being a Coco owner. Thank you. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, from sunny Southern California, Mr. Steve Bjork is with us. Yeah, good day, everybody. Hey. All right. Now that we're done with the formalities, 14 and a half minutes later, we can actually start the show. So we're here. It is Coco Talk. It is episode 53. We are two weeks away from Coco Fest, so we got plenty to talk about. I'm gonna guess. Yay! Yay! We're gonna talk about Coco Fest and and other things. I want to say hi to who's with us right now in the live chat. So in the live chat we have Mark Overholzer, Curtis Boyle, Bill Noble, Disney Saints fan, and Steve Bjork are all in the live chat as well. Hello everybody. Tom C just joined us in the live chat. We've got um, 13 viewers that we know of, and uh, hopefully more as as the day goes on. So things are picking up, and thank you all for being here. And uh, I think we'll start off with this. Number one, you know what show you're watching, right? You're watching Coco Talk. How do you reach Coco Talk? You can visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. How do you send feedback to the show? You can email cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear comments, suggestions, feedback, segments, you name it. Um, I want to get into uh, some a uh, little bit of feedback that we have received and um, some uh, some uh, some statistics on what has happened recently. So now that I've completely um, made my my um, layout much more confusing, it takes me longer to find things. So first off, we're somewhere around 5,800 downloads on the audio version of the program. That's a nice milestone. So. I feel that 6,000 is probably right around the corner. So 5,814 downloads, not bad, eh? We did get a pretty nice comment on last week's show from Joseph Ruff, who I didn't also invite to join us today. I'm not sure if Joseph will be able to join us. But he was talking about, um, he said that speaking of fortifying Cocos and Dragons, I, I had the following idea. Uh, sometime during the 1980s, Moss Technology hypothetically would have designed a 6547 version of the VDG chip used in the Coco and the Dragon, um, and, it, and it might integrate the 6847 and the 6883 in the same chip. Um, it might have provided a limited version of tile-by-tile tile color attribution such as a VIC-20, but for me, my fantasy was Moss Technology might have done uh, this, in addition to integrating the 6847 and 6883 on the same chip, it would have provided one bit for color intensity selected text modes and an 8 by 12 character increment on the basic 32 by 16 up to at least 36 by 18 or 48 by 16 or 58 by 54 by 18, eight color registers, but only four usable for graphics wider than 216 dots. But 
dot patterns able to artifact and true graphics resolution selectable of 432 <laughs> by 216 and multiples of 64 or 72 horizontally and vertically. Anyway, Can you please be that? more specific? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> from that, that more one breath, it would impressive. never happen. Yeah, yeah. Moss was owned by Commodore, so that would not happen. Yeah. They were too busy doing other But he was talking about kind of a wish list, and to me that seemed like a great segue to talk about, you well, know, you should talk to Bruce Moore, because Bruce Moore is <laughs> working on what could have, should have, would have been with Coco Forever. There, yeah. There is um, enough pins on the 6847 to address 8k of ram just yeah. pointing that out and uh the high res mode on the coco one and two was uh only took 6k so there was room for possibly putting the palette colors after the screen addresses or putting different colors for different lines whatever so there was, there's room to do something there. There you go. There you go. So you never know, you know. And at this point now, all the new Coco, new hardware projects like the Coco FPGA and the um, Matchbox Coco, they've already taken things a step further and added additional modes and functionality too. So uh, we are getting something like that now, but it would have been neat to have a little more back then. I agree. Uh, yeah, the 8K. I mean, you could have fit a 320 by. 192 screen, 4 too. Yep. And there you have it. But I thought that was neat. And thanks, Joseph, for your feedback. We love hearing from that. That's the kind of stuff we like to get. Also, speaking of feedback, we got we got one more. So let me switch over and show you guys this one, too. I, I think you guys all saw this, or some of you did anyways. So we got an email from Corey J.H., and he said, um, the flashing color cursors, the flashing color cursor, Wow. That is a blast to see. I have my TRS-80 Coco original in the basement. Been wanting to find an emulator for a while. I stumbled across your site. Very fun. I may still have some issues of Rainbow Magazine down there as well. I know I have all my cartridges in my first Microsoft floppy drive, the super loud bang drive when you open it. <laughs> it's got MS-DOS 1.02. Wow. I even went to a VBS called Floyd's World. It was super cool. My dad got me into it. Great stuff and great memories. Thanks for the site. I will check back after the kids get up. That was Corey. So thank you, Corey, for the email feedback as well. We love hearing from you. And you guys, anybody wants to send us some feedback, you can send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. So thanks for that. Um, cool stuff, cool stuff. I think because we've got a new person on the show, and we got a few people making noise. I'm not sure who the heck's messing with their microphone right now, but that's okay. Um, hey, David, can we put you on the spot and get a little bit of a mini um, backstory on you and what brought you to the world of the Coco? Uh, David Lafkinis, you mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have to be more, right. have to be more specific now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not a problem at all. Well, I, actually, I like to point fingers at you, Stevie. Um, you know, Stevie came <laughs> to... Yeah, I, he's he's the reason uh, for for the purchase. Definitely. Um, when when was the uh, that Florida club meeting that you came to, Steve? I think it was, that a, was in February. In February, so so basically, um, a few months ago, we started a uh, Florida retro computer club uh, down here in Broward County, and uh, so we had uh, we have we tend to have a meeting every couple of months, uh, either in in Broward County or 
in the Orlando area. And Steve uh, came for the first time to one of the South Florida meetings that we had. And he brought with him a whole collection of uh, Coco 3 goodies. Um, and uh, we were, a lot of us were blown away not only by what he had brought, but also by his presentation and general enthusiasm for, uh, you know, for the system. And uh, that got me really excited. And I started looking on eBay almost immediately, uh, eventually found a, a Coco 3, uh, got myself a 512K expansion, uh, got the Coco SDC with the case, got a couple of deluxe standy joysticks, um, and, and really got started by connecting my Commodore 2002 RGB monitor to it thanks to uh, some cabling from Cloud9. Uh, and then subsequently here, I'm, uh, you know, I finally, I actually got myself a, a very nice uh, Tandy CM8 RGB monitor, which is a perfect addition to oh, that yeah. setup. And, uh, and I'm currently uh, eyeing one of those mini MPIs <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> you know, from... Uh, was that Ed Snyder? Yeah. And, uh, and, oh, you want to wait on that? You one. and everyone else. Yeah. Do, do not just wait. We've got some great news later about that. Oh, okay. And then, uh, very interested also because I, I was eyeing one of those, uh, Orchestra 90 carts that, that exist there. But then I heard, learned about the Coco Flash. I'm thinking, well, based on what I'm reading, it looks like the Coco Flash could be maybe a valid clone of the Orchestra 90 and that and a lot more. Yeah. So um, I had I had some questions about that as well. But the reason behind my my introduction to Coco 3 is all it's all you, Steve. <laughs> and before the Coco, what uh, systems did you own then and what systems do you own now? So, I mean, I got into radio computers a couple years ago after, you know, uh, lurking in, uh, in that scene for a while and playing with emulators for, for years. I mean, my, my entry in retro computer was primarily from an Apple II slash Commodore angle. Uh, and uh, the very first retro computer <laughs> I bought was actually an Apple IIe with, you know, hey. the monochrome monitor and the, the duo discs and... Uh, and then went into the Commodore, you know, got a Commodore 64, VIC-20, 128. Uh, and, and now I own uh, basically roughly 25 different systems, ranging wow. from basically the, the entire Apple II line, the Commodore line, uh, the Macintosh line. Uh, got a couple of IBMs in there as well. Got a TRS-80 Model 4P, Model 4D. Um, and then the Tandy Color Computer 3. So, but I, I did my little inventory not long ago and I've got roughly 25 different systems. Wow. Yeah. So, but I'm, I have to tell you, I'm very impressed by the Coco 3. I, I never experienced the Coco 3 back in the day. Um, and I knew a little bit about the, T, uh, probably about the Model 1. I think a buddy of mine in Belgium had a Model 1. Um, but that's really my the only contact I had with the uh, with the Tandy Radio Shack line at the time. Um, then the very first one I bought as a retro computer was the TRS-80 model for 4P, uh, the portable, the luggable version, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, enjoy how retro that all felt. You know that one feels really retro. 
And then uh, got a great opportunity you know, with a local Craigslist vendor for a 4D. So I got the 4D and then uh, the Color Computer 3. But uh, what I really enjoy the most is when you jump from one system to another like that, from an Apple to a Commodore to a TRS-80, it, it's apples and oranges. I mean, you're, it's a completely different system, very little overlap. Uh, in terms of the even the knowledge base, completely different communities of people uh, with very little overlap as well. And um, so that's a lot of fun, you know, and, and that's why I think you never really get bored with a retro computer collection because once you think you've seen it all, you know, you just go and, for example, buy a Sinclair Spectrum or or an Atari computer and you start from scratch with a, with a whole other world out there. Yeah, yeah. So quite exciting. That's cool. And I, I brought Mark up bigger, too, because Mark kept nodding his head every time you mentioned the word Apple. And he's pointing to the Apple behind him and everything else, too. So Mark is, yeah. our, Apple, Mark is our Apple guy who became a Cocoa guy, too. So Yeah, we can um, forgive him for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we don't hold if they any, forgive me, they'll forgive you. Yeah, we don't hold too many grudges here at Coco Talk. Um, I, mean, I have to tell you, uh, I mean, back in the day, I could really not afford an Apple. So yeah, for yeah. me, uh, buying Apple has been a, only a retro computer thing because uh, in the 80s, they were just uh, unreachable, mostly in, in, in Europe. I mean, they were extremely expensive. So the Commodore 64 and the Commodore, I mean, really, when I was growing up in the 80s, the VIC-20... The Commodore 64 and the Commodore Win 28 were my were my systems, and I was only drooling at the apples and and all the other things, but uh, they were out of reach for me really back back in those days. Yeah, yeah, that was the same with me too. I I started using an Apple II Plus in school before the Cocoa was even released, and and like you said, it was you know a couple thousand dollars to get a system with a floppy drive. So it's yep. crazy. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, David. I know you're going to have some questions for us, and we're, we have uh, we've got a lot of people here. Matter of fact, one of the one of the things you also got, which you showed on Facebook, and we'll we'll show some of those pictures. But you got the Nick uh, Marenti's Pop Star Pilot Collection, and Nick's on the call. So if you want to say hi to Nick, he's here. The author is hey, the Nick. Yeah, and Nick, <laughs> hi, I, think, I actually think you commented on my uh, Facebook pictures there when you saw my three kids. Uh, yeah, did playing your version of Pac-Man. They had a blast and. And I'm catching my daughter, specifically the 15-year-old, is is really hooked. And I find her in my little mini men cave now, uh, going <laughs> in there, turning on the computer and trying to beat her own scores. So uh, all thanks to Nick's uh, Pac-Man version. Mm, How many intermissions has she seen so far? Intermissions? What do you mean by that? Well, every so many screens, you get a little intermission, like a mini movie. I don't think she's gotten that far yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's I think it's roughly every two every two boards in the original Pac-Man. It would be a little chase scene where you'd see a little cutscene. Well, how would you know, Steve? That. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Wow! I could always watch his YouTube. Yeah. He has on good knowledge. That's what happens. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've also but been joined by Brendan Donahue. Welcome back, Brendan. Good to have you. Hi, oh, Brendan. You're muted. You're muted. All right, can you hear me now? We can hear yes. you now. Yes. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Author, or not an author, but creator, or co-creator, or part creator of Coco VGA is with us here in the flesh. And <laughs> we've been talking about Coco VGA a lot lately because uh, Curtis and 
David Ladd, and I'm not sure if Bill, Bill, have you been involved in the uh, Coco VGA update? But yeah, so you're aware, you're aware of what they've done with Nitrous 9 Level 1, Brendan? Oh, he was, he was oh, yeah. involved. <laughs> okay, all right, so it wasn't, yeah, a, surpri yeah. wasn't a surprise then. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I definitely appreciate the amount of time they've been spending on that and, you know, all the, the questions and, uh, you know, all the builds that David put together and, and all so that uh, uh, Ron Klein and I could do some testing and experimentation with it. So, yeah, that's been, that's been uh, really great. I'm really happy that that's part of the build now. Excellent. Excellent. And Still it's more nice to, to do, see, but yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's one thing when you make something, right? So like a perfect example, we've been talking about sound, right? There's all kinds of Coco sound solutions, but there's not widespread support for them. Where with the Coco VGA, uh, there's actually, which is have enhanced capabilities, there's a handful of support for this, like Ed Snyder patching the um, Z interpreter to play the Infocom games on 64 columns and uh, lowercase characters. Um, now Nitrous 9 support for this. So it's nice when, we, when one of our new uh, pieces of technology gets some broad support, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it kind of, you know, hardware and software need to kind of go hand in hand. You know, one without the other, um, it doesn't work quite as well as, uh, as, as there being a good partnership between the two. So I think, uh, I think that's, uh, that's been really awesome. I really appreciate the support that, that I've been getting there on that. Right, right. And Ed's, Ed's been showing some media players, too, streaming like some 16-color grayscale videos that look really cool. Um, there's, just, there's a lot of cool shit going on right now with hardware and software. So, Yeah, good, agreed. Good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. And there's smart people like these people up here who can make those things. Right? So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> so dumb people like me have something to buy. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. And there's David. Now we have David on camera. Look at you, handsome devil. Getting, getting all cut up. Yes. So that's one of the great things about this show is we've got no shortage of eye candy, right? So there's content <laughs> and there's just uh, good looking. What stream are you watching, right. Steve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you must have those rose-colored glasses on again. We, uh, we, need, we need to do a calendar. <clears throat> we need to do <laughs> The I think you're accidentally watching the Chippendale stream yeah. again there, Steve. The, the guys of Retro <laughs> Calendar. <laughs> David's going to be the cover boy. <laughs> Great. Oh, no. David, 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 David. David Ladd. David Ladd. I have to now oh, specify. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, can oh. we get a color photo of him, though? <laughs> oh, don't I think worry. That, I'll, uh, I'll pick out the swimsuit for that one. <laughs> oh, please. Uh, no, no. no. Sparrows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking a How shiny. How in are, you, are we here already? <laughs> I'm thinking a shiny gold bikini bottom for you, David. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, no. moving right along. No, no, and some speedos. speedos. Oh God, no. I plan to take at the Cocoa Fest a great photo of David next to the herring, while people are buffing the herring and buffing his his head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think so you charge for that. Dollar or two to, yeah. to rub the two, hair. In two hand. bits for a shine. We are. Um, we're, we're gonna. We're gonna switch gears here in just a second and and oh, talk good. about our project updates. But before we do project updates, um, 
Uh, I'm going to do a quick mentioning of our sponsors because I've spent some time today updating this, so this looks much more organized and prettier now. Our sponsors. You guys can't see it on, on Skype because I'm not streaming it back to you guys. But anyway, so I want to thank our sponsors and uh, supporters of the show and friends of the show. So we actually have here with us, too, Brendan Donahue of Coco VGA. Brendan, what's Steve? How do you pronounce Steve's last name? Who are you working this with? Uh, Steve Spiller. Sp- uh, Spiller with a P? Like spill, like yeah. spilled milk? Okay, so yep, you, that's right. Exactly you, like you that. You and Steve Spiller are kind of the partners in the hardware design of this? Yeah, um, he's... Uh, yeah, he's a little bit busy with his family, so usually um, I go to him when I have a, a harebrained idea mm-hmm. and I need a lot of software support. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, like the idea I had around you know doing the combination lock and and things like that, and I needed you know very specific uh, timing of the register rights. So I went to him with my idea. I had the hardware implemented, and he put together the assembly language for me, for example. Okay. So. Um, cool. So anyway, so yeah, I usually go to him with, you know, like I said, some of my crazy ideas and uh, when I need when I need help. Okay. Just so just so out of curiosity, is he related to Jeremy Spiller, another famous Coco programmer? No. No, okay. no, no relation as far as I know. Because I know Jeremy and his dad both programmed the Coco stuff and wrote articles for Rainbow back in the day, so I didn't know if he was related to them or not. Yeah. Uh, and so you and Steve kind of do the design and then Ed Snyder does the production. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's so a, when, a great, great, uh, great combination of talent there. Yeah. Well, we sort of got, you know, stalled out, uh, at one point with the, um, with the, you know, sort of prototype board on perf board and its abilities and the sorts of line losses and things that we had, there's a lot of noise. Um, and it was just going to take us way too long to put together a board. So, um, so yeah, so I was really happy that Ed was willing to work with us on that. Okay. Very cool. Great well, collaboration going, there. Yeah, and and I also <laughs> want to say this too is that this is because I met you two Coco Fests ago. This year, this year will be the third, right? That's right. And and two years ago, you were talking about it was the first time I heard about Coco VGA, and we were seeing some of the earlier versions of that. And you had you know you did a presentation and you kind of showed it off. And so now, as time goes on, you know it's gone from talking about it being the project going from project to product. And uh, so it's kind of neat to follow that uh, progression, you know, and see it happen and see it at Tandy Assembly. It was like it was the it was the knees bees at Tandy Assembly. You saw a lot of people drooling when they were looking at that clean VGA output. Um, And so it was really neat to see it in action, you know. No, thanks. Yeah, it was very cool to follow that whole thing. And will you have will you be providing um, these for sale or installation at Coco Fest this year? I'd like to, but at this point, I don't know if Ed's going to have any more for me. Okay. Um, the other thing is that I have a bit of a backlog, maybe about 10 people on the waiting list. Okay. So part of me would like to, you know, deliver things to folks if, if the people on the waiting list are at Coco Fest. So if Ed provides more kits to me, then, then there will probably be some available. But uh, otherwise, we'll just have to do the mail order thing. Okay. Okay. But you're going to be there. You'll have, you'll have one to demonstrate at least, right? Oh, definitely. Yes. Okay. And I was wondering how many uh, different versions of the Coco One and Two Dragon, et cetera, are you currently have support for? Like I know you had to custom design them differently for different ones. How far are we along as to what is covered now? Yeah, so I only have um, one board form factor. Ed has the Coco One F board uh, design. I believe it's done. He's sent me pictures of it installed in a in a Coco One. So that one exists. Um, he's working on a T1 form factor, 
uh, which I also don't have yet. That's one that will also require some significant changes to the FPGA. Um, and I think he's also working on a, um, a form factor that will, uh, you know, so the, the board extends out on the, on the Rev B Coco 2, the, the board extends to the left of the, uh, 6847 socket. Well, the, um, Coco's with the RF can mounted flat. You're better off with the board extending to the right of the uh, 6847 socket. So he has that design as well. And he's sent off, I think he has, he has sent off or at least designed all three of those new boards. Um, some of them are fully populated and he's playing with them. Um, some of them are, you know, still in development. So okay. there are, there are at least four board fam- form factors uh, in the works. You know, one, one, the one that, you know, available right now is the one that's for sale. <laughs> and that's the Coco 2 vertical can or horizontal can? Yeah, the, the, the Coco 2 vertical can. So, you know, if folks want to get on the mailing list, I've been taking notes about what form factor they might want. Um, and then when they come available, I can, you know, I can just try to get, you know, if he sends me a set of a certain type, then I'll try to honor those requests for those types of uh, form factor boards first kind of thing. Okay, because the TDP 100, for remember, that has an F board, so that new F yes. board should work with that. The Dragon, does it use one of the existing designs, or is that a unique design itself? So, uh, so the existing design works as long as you stack about five or six sockets uh, in order to get it to clear the uh, the edge of the ins- inside of the case. So I think um, the the Tano Dragon fits fine. So the the you know US NTSC uh, or North America NTSC style one it fits fine without extra sockets. The Dragon 32, the PAL version, requires a stack of sockets, or it will need to wait for the board form factor where the board extends to the right of the socket instead of to the left. Okay. They actually they actually make sockets with long leads for like troubleshooting and testing stuff. So. Yeah, I actually grabbed some wire wrap sockets, and unfortunately, they don't because the they they're square pins. They didn't fit so well in the uh, machine pin socket that I installed. So, um, gotcha. so I ended up having to do the stack of sockets. But uh, machine pin sockets, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool stuff. Uh, what else was I going to say? So, for for somebody who's not aware, do you want to give a quick explanation of what the Coco VGA project is and what it brings to the Coco? Uh, sure. Um, so yeah, Coco VGA is a, um, it basically takes your Coco one or two or your dragon. Um, you take out your 6847 video display generator, replace it with this board, put your video display generator chip back into that board. And then, um, you know, not only does your RF or composite output, whatever you happen to have on your system still continue to work because the existing 6847 drives that, but, it also drives out uh, VGA at um, a maximum resolution of 640 by 480, 60 hertz. So the the bog standard, you know, original VGA uh, uh, signaling um, style. So uh, anyway, and then yeah, it provides a couple of you know, in addition to you know, artifacting and some you know, some modes around that. It also provides some other features like uh, 64 column text. Um, the ability to set your own palette, a uh, 16 color uh, graphics mode, um, and there's some other features still in the works. Right, and it's all been enhanced to the basic language too. 
Uh, very yep. cool stuff. Let me really quickly acknowledge a few people who've just joined us in the live chat, too. So our good friend Alexander Wallace from Mexico has joined us. Viva la Mexico, Alexander has joined us. And then we also have Wayne Aaron, who has jumped, just jumped in and says, just wanted to say hello to everybody. I really love the show. We're, we're happy to have you here, Wayne. And for those of you watching um, on YouTube, everybody's welcome to join. Listen, we let David Ladd on, so you see where the standards are. So if you guys want to join the call, you just add us on Skype. It's CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. We would love to have you guys join the panel and see if we can break the Internet. And um, let's, let's, let's go for uh, – let's turn it up to 11, right? Um, we also have a celebrity with us. Jacob Moore is here. Hey, Jacob. International voice actor and uh, graphic artist. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we've seen what he's done with Nick, Nick Marionettes. And we've heard him, or some of us have heard him, on the sneak preview of Coco Forever, Episode 1. So you're a celebrity, Jacob. Thanks for being here. Are you making more money we, than your dad now? Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I think dad needs to give him a raise. Labor. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be at Coco Fest, both of us. We'll be there. All right. Both of us. We'll be Excellent. signing autographs. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Jacob will, sure. Uh, Jacob, I want your autograph. You're a star. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool. All right. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Brendan. We're, we're, we're delighted to have you here. Thank you for your wonderful product that you've brought to us. Let's finish, uh, let's finish talking about our sponsors real quick. We'll take a, com a quick commercial break, and then we will come back with um, our kind of project updates and acquisitions. So so we've mentioned the Coco VGA. So Brendan, the waiting list, can they get on the, is the information on how to join the waiting list, is that on CocoVGA.com? Yes, it is. So if you okay. just go to the contact page, you can drop me a note there, or you can email me at info at CocoVGA.com. There you go. Okay. And he's not with us today, but maybe we'll get lucky and get trolled by him later. But Richard Lorbieski of Boyson Technologies, Boyson, Boyson Tech. Uh, maker of the, uh, what is he calling it now? The uh, Coco Tandy Segatari joystick adapter, I think is what he's got, or uh, Coco 1000 or something. We'll, we'll, we'll pull it up on Facebook. So Richard uh, of Voice on Tech. And we want That's to Troll him. Jr. Troll Jr. Yes. Troll uh, Jr. Papa Bear Troll Jim Brain at Retro Innovations. They're uh, often imitated but never duplicated when it comes to trolling. Uh, Retro Innovations makes lots of quality products for lots of systems from the Commodore to the TI to the Coco. So go to go4retro.com for all that cool stuff. Show Jim some love. Uh, we're running a special. What was, the, what was the promo code on Retro Swag today? It's 15% off. With promo code 154U, you have to spell out F-O-R-Y-O-U. So right now on the Retro Swag Shop, and I'm going to show you some of the new designs. As a matter of fact, let me just do that right now. Let me take this shameful moment to um, do an extremely shameful plug. And so on the Retro Swag Shop, which is 8bit256.com, um, until, until April the 10th, uh, which is three days from now. You can get 15% off your entire order by using the promo code 15 And all of these designs can be um, produced on a t-shirt, coffee mug, sweatshirt, hoodie, jacket, you name it. Here's three new designs. And so um, these are all drawn by Joel M. Adams, who is the son of Rick Adams. And so one of our new designs is a very cool Game Boy design. And you can get the Game Boy on a variety of t-shirts. And so the Game Boy is a new design. If you are a fan of the Zelda series and Link from Zelda, here is the shield 
that Joel also drew, which is very, very cool. And then another one that's new, which I actually ordered two of, which I will hopefully have soon, but I put up the logo for Coco Talk After Dark. So you can get yourself an After Dark t-shirt, coffee mug. Uh, we got pictures of you wearing one of the shirts, Brendan. Brendan Brendan's our model, too, so he's also an international model. He, gets, he, walks, he walks the runway wearing a Coca Talk shirt. So, um, so yeah, new designs and uh, promo code 15 for you is uh, what's going on there. So there's a very shameful plug there. Uh, we also want to thank our good friend from down under, Brian Joyce from Extructus Productions. Brian is who brought us the best of volume one and volume two. Brian has brought us uh, What Did David Break This Week, a great source of entertainment. And um, he's got a cool website, fd501.com. Uh, he sent me Vegemite, so what more need you say? He's an awesome guy. So check out Extractus Productions at fd501.com. Don't forget that Coco Talk is at cocotalk.live. Email cocotalk at cocotalk.live. And I'm a coconut.com for all your Tandy color computer links needs. All right, so man, whew, deep breath. Okay, so we're going to take a quick commercial break, everybody. So if you got to go potty, now's the time to do it. We're going to run a commercial, and we'll be back in just a minute or two. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> be right back. Hello, I am David Ladd, and you are watching Coco Talk, the nation's leading live Coco podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. And when you're done watching, come over and listen to the Coco Crew podcast. Hi, this is John Linville and Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Stroh play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro This is almost like Deja Vu. 8bit256.com. <laughs> there you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Speaking of Extractus Productions, and, and also we have uh, one of the stars of that show, the original source of the EMP, the fart heard around the world, Bill Noble, is with <laughs> us here today, Bill. Um, 
Bill, Steve, you know, <laughs> I, I got to say one thing, though, Steve. I have this very strong deja vu feeling right now for the last five, ten minutes. Deja vu. <laughs> deja vu all over again. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, Groundhog's Day. so uh... yeah, I, I, I think you need to mix up the content a little bit more. There we go. Well, uh, yeah, those commercials are, uh, it was perfectly bad timing that that commercial ran right after what? I spent In 20 minutes plugging the t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, what was what? Nice shirt, Jason. Look at Ron DeVoe's uh, picture. Oh, yeah, that was put up on Facebook. Yeah, that was, uh, I think Brian Blake did that. So, <laughs> Those yeah. are the, that's the pillars of our... Um... Yes, that's uh, the Mount Rushmore of the cocoa, if you will. Boise, <laughs> Simon, Ed Snyder, and John Linville. <laughs> if there was a Mount Rushmore... Uh, some of those faces might be on it. <laughs> um, cool stuff. All right, so I'm going to start off project acquisitions here because I got something. And it's not necessarily a Cocoa product, but it could be. And uh, what I got, which is pretty cool, pretty geeky, but I got a 20-sided dye coffee mug. Look at that. Nice. So, uh, for those of you who like... Uh, you know, if you remember the old Dungeons and Dragons. Aren't you going to uh, spill your coffee if you try to roll? Yeah. <laughs> so this was pretty cool. And this was on clearance, so I got it. And uh, pretty cool stuff. So uh, it'll probably just go up on the shelf. But it's pretty geeky. So there you go. That's my product. And that's my acquisition of the week. Um, on clearance. Imagine that. <laughs> on clearance. <laughs> you no mean, expense you has been spared. <laughs> <laughs> You mean these things didn't fly off the shelf at full? Yeah, right. <laughs> Somebody at marketing got fired. Um. So I think we have a project update from somebody. Curtis, was there something you wanted to bring us up to speed on? Yeah. Now that uh, we got Coco VJ working and and some of the stuff for the level one fixes that Rogelio found bugs with a month or two ago, I've been getting back to the ease of use, trying to catch things up. So. A um, couple minor updates on that. Um, we've got both versions of X mode and T mode installed now so that you can have backwards compatibility with stuff that was written years ago. Plus, you can use the new version. And there's some help docs that will be included kind of explaining that. Eventually, we're going to make a fat binary version of it that actually is going to support both syntaxes. So you just have one command and it'll just handle whatever. Not there yet. Um, uh, the alpha of the new Rogue is on there. That doesn't have all the new features I wanted to add, like selectable fonts and stuff, but it does allow you to use the graphics fonts on subsized windows uh, instead of just on full screen like the original. So that kind of is convenient. You can resize it to whatever size you want. And uh, I installed the Snakebite game. So that's uh, one that's hold dear to my heart because back when Alan DeCock did a bunch of his optimizations in uh, Nitrous 9 version 2, he had three bugs that were outstanding, and by the time he was getting so busy with his job and stuff that he just didn't have time to deal with it anymore, so I had to go hunt his, his last three bugs down. That was one of them was uh, a flood fill. If you're using a pattern, would get stuck in an infinite loop, and all of a sudden it looks like the machine is locked up and actually was doing it, just painting over itself over and over and over again. And Snakebite was the game that exhibited that problem and is also the game I used to test trying to finally figure out how to fix it. Hmm. So and it also comes with a level editor, so you can add your own levels. Um, and then uh, right now I'm starting to work. I've, I've finally got Base 9 to run B uh, integrated with the header file that Boise had managed to lift off the microwave servers before they shot the hard drive out in the, with a gun somewhere you know, later on before the source code was lost. So I've got all that integrated. Now assembles back to the original 
matching versions of what's on the repository. So I will be starting to do optimizations on Base 9 and Run B for both 6.9 and 6.9 starting this week. Wow. So that's my update. So you've been a busy boy, Curtis. Wow. Yeah. All work and no play. Well, that's a kind of sucky thing. The last few days here this week, I've been really busy with work work, so I haven't done much at all with ease of use or anything else Kogo related, but hopefully I'll get caught up. Ooh, cool beans. Well, Paul, I was going to show off. Hey, Terry's with us. Welcome back, Terry. Yeah, I think you're Howdy. Muted. <laughs> yeah, I was muted. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you. Oh, yeah. After, after fighting with Skype and my passwords, I'm finally back. Yay. Uh, the uh, NSA probably got in the middle there somewhere. So Yeah, um, Bill Gates hates me. <laughs> um, Paul, I was going to show off the, your latest screenshot you posted of, of your game in progress right now. Is there anything you want to share with us or tell us about that project? Uh, I got a lot I could talk about with that project. I just I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, um, while you're talking, I'm going to try to find the picture. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so spent a lot of time uh, trying to decide how I wanted to do the tile set because um, we were trying to find a way to um, kind of compress them so that we didn't have like one byte of RAM equals one tile kind of thing. Um, but it kind of limited how many that we could do um, total. And so we've kind of decided we've kind of uh, went away from trying to compress them because um, I don't know, there just wasn't really a good way to do it. We could do uh, four bytes in three um, is kind of what we figured because the, the more you are able to compress uh, tiles, multiple tiles into like one byte, the less variety you have. <clears throat> And I'm kind of a picky guy, so I kind of wanted to have a lot of variety of the visuals in the background of the level. So now we're just going to have one byte equals one tile. So spent a lot of time designing those and then uh, worked on compiling them. Made myself a level editor. And now going through the level editor and getting some things set up, I'm finding that I need to kind of test it. So now i got to go start actually programming like movement and everything else like that and uh this hilo guy kind of came up uh my son and i are doing a lot of the design work for the levels together and there was kind of a spot that was a little bit blank it kind of has like two different paths that you could take but one of them if you if you took one of the paths it, there was like nothing to do so he kind of came about because we have uh, like kind of an overall scheme of like all the different levels that are going to happen. Um, the first one, you're outside of this uh, bad guy's factory. Um, everything's kind of like really generalized as kind of like a like the the names of everybody as kind of like a uh, kind of a joke, you know? Because like Buff yeah. Commando, it's really general and and kind of dumb. Like he doesn't have a specific name. Mm -hmm. um, we don't really want to have a huge storyline to it because who cares about that? We just want to play the game. <laughs> I like your naming convention because that reminds me of the way Tom Mix used to advertise their uh, Popeye clone. You know, big fat guy eating a sandwich, and that was what they actually called the character. <laughs> right, exactly. And and well, bad guy actually kind of has a little bit of a backstory. So his 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 name, or it's actually bad dude. I keep messing it up between bad guy and bad dude. So. Buff Commando, his, his character in general, is kind of stupid. Um, and the guy that he's actually going up against, his last, his his name is actually Eugene Bada Duty. 
But since Buff Commando can't read, he screws it up and calls him bad guy for the whole game. It's, <laughs> it's, that's that's a little bit of storyline, so to speak, for the thing. Well, it turns out that Eugene, like at the end of the game, you're going to find out, and this is probably a spoiler alert, right? Um, that Eugene and Buff Commando used to go to school together. And Buff always picked on Eugene, and then he started this evil empire to get back at him, and that's the premise of the game. So you start out outside of his factory, go into his factory. Um, We're even thinking about having a 3D segment of you because, like, the way that you get into the factory is through a vent at the top of the – on the roof. And we're thinking about having a 3D segment there where you kind of are tunneling your way through – and find your way into the factory. And then from there, there's a lot more stuff like an elevator. Uh, uh, actual, there, there'll be like uh, mini sequences in between levels where like there's one that I have an idea for that's Buff Commando goes to the gym. And it's kind of played out like Dungeons and Dragons where you're walking along the city street. Because apparently Buff Commando is going to take a break from being a hero and go work out at his in his town and then come back to where he was anyway and bad guys will be coming out and it'll be a segment of a beat em up you know in yeah. addition to the platforming and stuff like that so um what's gonna make this all possible is the fact that uh simon was able to like kind of optimize some of the disc controller routines in in assembly so we'll be able to like load graphics pretty much on the fly in between segments from the disc as opposed to having like you know all of the levels packed into ram which kind of limits things so we'll we'll see where our limits are as things go but we have kind of big ambitious plans for this things it's probably going to take us a couple years to get it all done but taking a break from it for right now because uh patrick thomas got a group of us together to start development on a uh platformer um it's a platformer, but role-playing at the same time kind of kind of game. And um, he wants to get the ball rolling on that, and everybody's been kind of flaky, uh, including myself. So, so I'm going to take a break from Buff Commando development for probably about a month because there's some stuff we got to think through for level design. Um, well, as far as development on the computer itself. Um, and then uh, we're going to work on Patrick Thomas's uh, game for a little while. Is he's pulled it to be a Coco game. The Patrick Thomas game. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's pulling together Simon, Glenn, myself, and, and obviously him to, to, to work on this. And Glenn's been <laughs> defenders, uh, kind of kicking his butt lately. Um, mm. but he's still working on that. And then Simon's working on his demo. So he's, he's more of an advisor than anything else. Okay. Um, he'll, he'll mod, he'll mod code when we send it to him and stuff like that. But so mainly, uh, so Patrick Glenn and myself will be working on like a lot of the graphics, the sound and the programming and Simon will kind of like oversee that we're basically doing it the best we can. <laughs> okay. So, so that's, John, that's, that. go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, that's my update. I don't know if anybody's any questions about anything. I'd, I'd look. I can answer them or whatever, but uh, I was just going to say, it sounds like you guys have now started that Coco dream team that somebody came up with a suggestion for, you know? Well, well, there's a few other people that I would love to have on that, but uh, let's see. We'll see what we can do. Cause some of the, a lot of the best games, you know, in history are always developed in, in teams and stuff like that. So you can, you get a lot more variety and, and, and more length and playability and, 
you know, I just want something that people can, can enjoy and, and come back, you know, and play for numerous hours if they need to or whatever, you know. Um, that was one of the things that I felt was like kind of a limitation of the system, maybe, um, in some of the older games, plus like a lot of the development tools from the eighties, obviously not the, not the most user friendly. Uh, so now we have the ability, I'm thinking to make longer games, you know, more of the length that you would see on like Nintendo, super Nintendo and Sega Genesis type of stuff, you know, by utilizing the disc to be able to, to load levels and save progress. Um, there's also Easter eggs in this game um, in Buff Commando that I obviously I don't want to talk about those yet, but there's right. there's Easter eggs and collectibles and like if you're a completionist, there's things for you in there too. Okay, so. yeah, excellent, excellent. <clears throat> if I can make a suggestion, yeah, go you're, ahead. You're talking about trying to save memory space and like that on the level designs for the map that you wanted to go to. Um, Basically, try and get more than one square per cell. Yeah. Um, one thing that you can always do is store the maps compressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. That actually we, we will do. Yep. Yeah. Because we were was, looking at a way to like do the bit patterns in one yeah. byte to kind of represent more than one tile is all. So. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is if you do compression on there, you basically have got that route. You've mm -hmm. got that what you're shooting for. And I had to do that on my map games like Super Pitfall, um, Cave Walker, and stuff like that, um, you know, just to make sure everything fit. Did you decompress on the fly then? Uh, uh, yes. Per frame? Okay, interesting. All right, yeah. Because uh, I was planning on doing like a 500 exclusively for 512K Coco 3s because, I mean, almost everybody's got one of those now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was giving myself, I gave myself 16 K for level design and then I started laying it out and I'm like, holy crap, this is huge. Um, even, even cause there's vertical and horizontal scrolling in the game. Right. So like even climbing up and the, the height and the width, I'm just like, holy moly, 16 K is a lot of level. Like it was like probably if you timed out doing all the activity in there, it's like between five to six minutes in a level that big. So yep. I might I might trim them down, but that's so it sounds like I have plenty of space even if I don't decompress on the fly. So there's a lot going on visually because we have a uh, split screen going on with uh, resolution and palette. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, so being able to conserve on on um, uh, cycles. And yep. having the game play at a at a decent speed, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a big challenge, but I think we're going to pull it off. Yeah, I think know. going with the five twelve is the proper way to go. The one thing that slows you down a little bit is you only have eight k <coughs> windows into the MMU. Yeah. So so you know it's like okay, I'm reading character, so I actually because I might go over an eight k boundary, you really need two blocks of an MMU. Yep. One of yeah. the things that's going to help. Sorry, Steve. To, no, uh, go ahead. no One of the things that's going to help with uh, that is the fact that um, for the actual game board part of the screen, we're using the same resolution as Timberman, which is like 7K. Um, mm -hmm. So most of that will fit right in there. 
Um, yep. And then the bottom half of the screen, which is basically the like your statistic board for the player, you know, um, shows inventory and whatnot. And you guys had seen that in the past on some uh, Coco Talk. Um, that's that's going to be in the 128 byte or 256 resolution mm-hmm. there. So so that'll help us get a little bit more speed out of it because we, we won't have as much RAM to be moving around and working on and overwriting and things like that. So it should be pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, and you can use the task register too to instantly switch between two maps, which helps. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and with Ed Snyder's upcoming Coco Mem, you'll have thirty-two tasks. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, that's yeah, Brain. I have. Or sorry, I yeah, have, right, Jim Brain. I have Ed's uh, game cartridge thing that he made, and I have not started developing on that yet because I need to get myself an MPI and other things like that. But I wanted to try and do do Co- uh, Buff Commando with like as minimal extra hardware that as possible, mm-hmm. like keep yeah. it kind of true to the original as much as I can. Um, so that'll be pretty cool if we can pull that off. So. Well, definitely continue listening to the show. We've got a lot of stuff that's come up this last week. That'll be very interesting to you. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. There's always things that are interesting on this show. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll need a dream team update. Right, right, right. Uh, Miami, David, are, are you pressed for time? I know you've got some questions. Maybe we'll get to some of your questions since you're a new Coco owner. Oh, he's muted. sorry. I was on mute. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not really pressed for time, but uh, I can definitely uh, insert my questions now. No, granted, though, just as a general disclaimer, I'm brand new to Coco. You know, I've only owned the Coco for I think less than less than two months now. So, uh, first of all, first impression very positive. Actually, very pleasantly surprised. To be honest with you, when I turned on the Coco for the very first time uh, and I was using a composite monitor, I was very disappointed like oh my god this looks horrible and it was that <laughs> flashing color cursor and the very poor video uh, but then you know i connected to the commodore 2002 monitor which is an rgb with one of those cl- cloud nine uh, mating cables i think they call them uh, much better picture and now on the 10d cm8 rgb absolutely beautiful picture very crisp uh, very pleased with all that. Um, but uh, so obviously I went the Coco SDC route. Um, I'm not planning to buy, you know, a real uh, external floppy drive with this because I'm learning that you need to have a kind of a cartridge with the, you know, the, the interface. And, you know, it's a whole thing, I think, when you go into the yeah. into the floppy disk. So I'm going to stay away from that. I think the Coco SDC is going to be plenty for what I need. Um, but then I, I've become very intrigued by um, some of the audio uh, capabilities. And I was looking at the Orchestra 90, and I, I found one on, on eBay. It was a little pricey. Uh, kept looking. I know that I think it's Ed Snyder does uh, or has done in the past a clone of that, which is no longer available or not currently available, I should say. Uh, but then I started looking yesterday at um, Jim Brain's uh, Coco Flash. Now, I bought stuff from Retro uh, Innovations, I think it's called, yes, or yes. Jim Brain. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A couple of years ago, primarily in the Commodore um, 
for the Commodore platform, you know, the, the Jiffy DOS and the uh, Zoom Floppy. I've bought a bunch of things from him. Um, and then I was looking, it's like, okay, what is the capability of this Cocoa Flash? Because the information that's on the website is, is extremely technical, but doesn't provide a lot of functional explanation of what it really does for a newbie. So my understanding is that it, it, it's actually, uh, it, it has an Orchestra 90 uh, ROM on it uh, with a stereo uh, audio output. So my understanding is that you can use it as an Orchestra 90 cartridge. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that true or is that false? No, that's true. That's true. Okay. Jim Very just good. joined us in the live chat too. He says another, oh, okay. another satisfied customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and Jim, thanks for uh, answering my question. You know, I, I actually you emailed me back this morning. I had two questions regarding the Coco Coco Flash. Number one was a case available. Eventually bought one from John Strong, so mm-hmm. I'm all set with the casing. The second question that I had, is it MPI compatible? In other words, if I stick that in MPI, you know, is there going to yes. be any incompatibility? And Jim answered that obviously it was compatible. Now, um, so my, my other question with that um, is really when it pertains to the Orchestra 90, uh, what is really the capability of that? Does that mean that certain games that are going to – are the games out there that leverage the capabilities of Orchestra 90 and give out better audio or, or is it – Do you have an MPI yet? Uh, no, I do not. Are you going to get the is, new one or are you going to get an older one? And this uh, is a good time to talk about the new MPI. Yeah. I, I definitely want to get uh, – I think I was going to get a new MPI. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the old ones are uh, – I looked at them. They're a little pricey, a little bulky. The reason, the reason uh, why I ask is because uh, if you get an older one, you'll need to upgrade it. Oh, Okay. No, I was thinking. I mean, really, what I've got my eyes set on right now is the is the mini MPI. So well, I don't know of anything else. We yeah. got news about that. Yeah, we got that news. We'll yeah. Talk about later. yeah. So that's what I was thinking about getting initially, uh, so that I could put the Coco SDC in it and the Coco Flash next to it. Um, so that that was one of my questions. And and what else can I do with the Coco Flash? So basically, I can. Uh, copy bins and onto the ROMs and then use that kind of as a as a multi-purpose cartridge. Is that really what it's for? David, you want to take this one since you've got some knowledge on that? David Ladd? Um, on the floppy stuff? On, on, or the on, MPI? On, on the Coco Flash. Coco Flash. Coco Flash floppy, floppy on yeah. the brain there. Okay. David. Um, <laughs> um, the Coco Flash is basically a um, multi-slot um, ROM cartridge emulator um, where you can have tons and tons and tons of um, ROM cartridge images on one one device, and then it also incorporates the Orchestra 90 DAX okay. on it as well. So basically, it's just a extremely huge um, ROM cartridge. I think it's eight megabytes, if I remember right. So, and an average perfect. ROM is eight kilobytes. So you could theoretically have a thousand cartridges on this thing, or yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I thought it did. I mean, based on reviewing what the website does, and then when when it per, as it pertains to the uh, Orchestra ninety capabilities, um, what does that do? I mean, is it really just kind of play? little audio files on the side or are the games out there that are leveraging the Orchestra 90 capabilities in terms of, of improving the audio experience of certain games? There's, um, not, there's not too many games that actually do use the Orchestra 90. Um, hmm. John Strong has a couple that use a stereo panning, like for Tetris, his Tetris clone and his Gems games. Uh, so that it'll do that. I did patch Kime Guy to be Ninja for the OS 9 version to use the 8-bit functionality of the DAX because the Coco itself is only 6-bit, but it does mono only. But most of the time, Orchestra 90 was used for music. I mean, the built-in ROM on okay. the original cartridge was meant for music. Sockmaster's mod player, the four-voice mod player that plays Amiga-style mod files, also uses the stereo DAX. Okay. So it's it's more used for music. I mean, there's some potential to do stuff, but the thing is, it's not a sound chip where you can like offload sound onto it and then you know the computer can go back to doing your game right it's right. just a raw audio output so the computer still has to generate everything on the fly constantly just like the built-in deck it just gives you better quality sound and stereo capability oh, okay and and also i was looking at uh, because when i was comparing uh kind of the orchestra 90 uh, capabilities there is uh and i think it's ed snyder that came out with uh and i don't remember the name of that cartridge but i think it has the the acronym psg in it uh, and and I saw it. It has like two Atari uh, uh, joystick port, but it seems to have audio capabilities as well. And I was trying to see: is that a substitute for Orchestra 90, or is that really a completely different product? Completely different, different product. Okay. Right. All right. Jim Brain has joined us too, the author and creator of the uh, Coco Flash. So maybe we could hear it from the source. Uh, some more. Seems like you guys. <clears throat> seems like you guys have done a really good job of. Of of uh, being my marketing team, I should I should hire you. I'll pay you <laughs> twice as what I paid you last week for doing yeah. the same thing. Right. Our checks are in the mail, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it works even better, Jim, because even before this show, I had already issued the payment for the Coco Flash. So that's uh, I know I saw your slim order dunk. came through yeah. this morning. <clears throat> so so just so you know, love the internet. David, the the Orchestra ninety was a kind of this yeah. weird anomaly that was created for the Coco, but was really not really utilized back in the days of the Coco. So it mm -hmm. had the except ability. for music. Except for, but even then, it really wasn't utilized. I mean, there. Well, no, it was. I mean, the Orchestra 90 was compatible with the old Orchestra. Was it the 85 the TRS-81 13 had? Ah, and if okay. CompuServe had a whole form devoted to the Orchestra gotcha, 90 for, gotcha. for music files, there was hundreds right. and hundreds so, of songs. And but that's you, all it was really. When you for. read the label, it, it's it's referred to, Tandy refers to it as a stereo synthesizer, but it's not truly a synthesizer, right? It doesn't, and here Jason's holding up the thing. So it doesn't, it is not an actual synthesizer, like it, like we're saying here. It just, the Coco uses what's known as a DAC, a digital audio converter, and the CPU sends information to that DAC to generate sound. Um, this has two DACs on it that are 8-bit and that are used to independent stereo. And yet, so you could, like like how you could download a MIDI file or, or you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They had Orchestra 90 tracks that you could download. It would do up to, I think, five tracks. So five voice polyphonic in Yeah, stereo. four voice and one noise channel. Right. And so, oh, wait, no, sorry. No, just I none. think it was five. I think it was five channels. Yeah, I think it's five. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was used for. I guess. Well, let me, let me be more specific. I never used it. So when I had, I had <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. I did jack shit with it. But um, it really wasn't. There was no game support really 
design for it. I don't think they thought of it as a game thing, but theoretically no. it could be. Um, the, and right now the only games that are kind of using it are a handful that John Strong has made. And it's um, not, John hasn't done a lot of music yet in his games, but he has done sound. And so he can get you mm. clean, cleaner sound and stereo sound in some cases. Um, with a multi-pack, it could be exploited to make better audio on the Coco, but it's, it hasn't been really incorporated as a game enhancement. Steve, back okay. in the days when we are developing, I could do almost as good audio using the internal DAC, DAC yeah. because I went and took 8-bit, brought it down to 6-bit, which almost became identical to the 8-bits that you had on there. And my attitude was, you or to use this device in my cartridge games, you would have to have a multi-pack. Right. So there, right. people are investing hundreds of dollars to use that pack. There was no reason to support it. It didn't give you that much of advantage. Yeah. But the only thing it could have been used for would be stereo. Stereo, that would right. Have been yes. right. And this is not mean to to take um, Jim Brain's product down a notch by any means. It's 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 cool and it's a nice value added thing to have it in that Coco Flash. But in the mm -hmm. scope of how this device was used in the history of the Coco, it really has not been exploited as a game solution or a game enhancement. Not right, to say, right. Not, not to say that right. it couldn't. Um, yeah, well, it was meant as a music being, music thing. Uh, and yeah, to be honest, would, the best example of that is Sockmaster's mod player. That thing yeah. it sounds incredible on stereo. Oh really? Yeah. On the I upside, by having the, on the, the product, side, by having a, the, the pro I would say, you know, as as the designer of it, I would say I would not buy the Coco Flash because it has orchestra. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was put in it was put in there because, you know, it's a it's a hard cartridge to find in it. It's a very simplistic cartridge. You know, for, for what it does, it, there is just almost nothing. That case is probably what eight or nine inches deep and and it's huge and there's like yeah, nothing yeah. in the board. So um, the view is it, it was something to easily put into the Cocoa Flash and added next to nothing to the cost of the product. And then you have basically two cartridges in one. But I would say, you know, if you're going to if you're going to look at some sort of sound hardware, there's and obviously you could get into a huge, you know, you probably need to listen to the um, to the replays of the show here earlier, you know, earlier in the series. But there's a whole bunch of sound hardware capabilities that are in various stages of incubation for the Cocoa environment. And those all of those options, I think, are better than the Orchestra 90 capability at the end of the day. Ah, so Jason's Definitely got agree. his opened up. Yeah. Well, and and even that doesn't that I mean that if somebody has a cocoa flash they just show that too because literally all that stuff is, is just the big chip is a rom and the rest of it is just a bunch of of over over engineered ttl logic that doesn't really need to be all that complicated so speaking as a true designer yeah yeah, as a buyer, to be honest with you, I looked at that as as kind of a plus when I saw yeah. it as like, oh, you know, audio output. So it, it covers what I thought I was getting with an Orchestra 90 plus a lot more. And so that was kind of a, I saw that as a, as a bonus, basically, but not as the uh, as the key purchasing, you know, factor in that really. Good. But um, good. Now I've seen. Uh, speaking about Coco Flash, uh, I, I've spotted a couple of videos on YouTube that talk about Coco Flash. There's only a, a very few, um, 
And it seems that there are uh, some kind of software solution that people run in order to view the different, I guess, files that have been loaded onto the Cocoa Flash and, and run those files. Does that software come <laughs> with Cocoa Flash or is that kind of third party that people have put together? It, it comes it comes preloaded on the on the unit, so it comes ready okay. to use. But the the software is developed by Barry Nelson, um, so um, it's it's you know a, an, another individual besides myself developed the software, and there's a couple other people that have extended that software, and so there's a couple different versions of it, and so you can choose which one you like the best to use. But they're all kind of variations on the theme. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Cocoa Flash and other products like Mini Flash and and other you know other other products for other platforms, they're all basically a you know 101 game 101 cartridges in one type of thing. So yeah, yeah. Our, whatever the number is, right? And and so there's a menu. You pick one. You play whatever it is. You can put your own stuff on there, and um, it's you know it's it's you can load it up from the from the Coco. So it's it's not like a, it used to be a long time ago. People would make a little mega game cartridges and they'd have like eight games on an EEPROM and they would put that and you could have a little menu or flip some little switches or whatnot. But this one is one you get to decide how you want to lay it all out. And this is, is you know, you get to decide what you want on the cartridge or what you don't want on the cartridge. Um, so it's kind of user initiated, but all the menuing stuff and whatnot is, is on the cartridge when you get it. All right, I think you, you actually have enough room in there. You can fit the entire <clears throat> ROM cartridge library on it, can't you? Yeah, yeah, you can. And 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 since many game many games that are not ROM games could be turned into ROM games, right? As long as um, as long as the unit doesn't try to access the disk after it loads, um, or as long as the game doesn't, then those kind of games could be put on ROM as well. But you're right. I mean, the the size is, and you know, some people would say, well, why in the world did you make it that big? And the fact of the matter is that um, if you're not bound to period correct products so if you're if you don't if you don't have to stay with the sizes that were only, were available in the mid 80s um, or you're looking for a low price point the fact of the matter is it's very hard to find really small um, uh, memory modules anymore so 8 meg sounds like a lot but it's actually cheaper to buy 8 meg than it is to buy you know per bit than it is to buy anything less and so it's and it's easy to design for and it's contemporary um, module so you just um, you just buy that you put it on the board and then if you don't ever fill it up then that's okay no harm lost <clears throat> right all right uh, David you've got a Coco SDC haven't you yes I do well that can pretty well act the same way and as a bonus it means you're not restricted to just putting ROM cartridges, you can put the entire Coco floppy disk game collection on there as well, as well as it acting as a hard drive for um, OS 9 use. So really, you've got already uh, a Coco SDC type package there already. Mm. You've got so, you've got the ultimate ROM pack already. Okay, so there's a bit of overlap in functionality in in the two, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. There there is a limitation to the SDC when trying to use it for ROMs. You only have eight banks. I no, see. But, but uh, when I loading Nick's, it as a disk image, not as a ROM. Yeah. Image. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, okay. I see what you're saying. Right. Yes. So, so you can. Go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Steve. No, no. Go ahead. I'll let you go. It's fine. Yeah. Well, the the fact that 
just about every ROM pack is available for download. People have already converted them to, to run off floppy disk now. The Coco SDC allows you to put all the those disks onto an SD card on the cartridge so you can run all these uh, ROM games anyway. And, of course, you know, SD card, you can buy a – I don't know what the limit is on a Coco SDC. I've just got a two – two megabyte one and that's that's heaps of room to hold just about all the software mm -hmm. available for the coco so and you add you add the uh, sdc menu program that's freely available as well on to, which i assume that's what you're running yes you got, that's what i'm yeah. running the so kind of it's, automated it's all, selector there yeah that's right so you can just manually navigate through that sd card pick a disc on that disc you would have all your rom each disc you could you could set it up to have all your different ROM games, and then yeah, with the SDC menu, just go in, select your games, put in disc one, disc two, whatever, and there they are. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It's know, quite a, it's quite it's an amazing package. Yeah, it is. Right. It's it's really it's the only ROM ROM cartridge you need. And that was how that was how to take the Coco Flash marketing segment to a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Mr. Australia, I used to like you. Luck, luck, luckily, David You're has fired. Both. You're fired. You are luck, fired. Luckily, Florida so, David has both. He's got the Coco right, SDC exactly. and the Coco Flash. And that's where the Orchestra 90 capability comes yes. back up because yeah. the SDC uh, cannot do that. Um, <laughs> now. Are we going to talk about the new multi-pack? Because we're going to um, get later, yeah. later, 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 later. All right, we'll, we'll leave that later. Hold that uh, thought about the audio till you hear the rest of the show. Right, and so, uh, Bill. Uh, so this is—is um, is that the Coco Flash? Yeah, this is. Uh, since Jim had asked if somebody could display it, this is my Coco Flash. Okay. So, should, I think it? he wanted to demonstrate, you know, just how compact. The Orchestra 90 plus the flash capability could be made. Right, versus what Jason was showing us before, which was just like a freaking uh, Mac truck's yeah. worth of uh, and then, technology. Exactly. Yeah, and in the top, if you look at that, the, the, the two big chips, that's the RAM at the far left and the mm. control logic in the bottom. All that stuff in the top right, what looks like a whole bunch of resistors, which in fact is just a whole bunch of resistors, that is the DAC. That's all there is, those two little mm. chips and the, and the resistors. That's all the DAC. I know, that's all the Orchestra 90 capability is. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, one of the other thing that I noticed, and once again, you know, think of this from the eyes of a newbie like I am uh, regarding the Coco. Uh, as it pertains to audio, uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, when I was using uh, the Commodore 2002 with kind of the mating cables from Cloud9, uh, in order to get audio via the Commodore 2002 monitor, I had to use the RCA audio output of the Coco 3 and plug it into the back of the Commodore 2002. Mm -hmm. However, I was surprised when I moved to the Tandy CM8, there was no audio input in the back, and it seems that the audio was conveyed via the RGB cable. Is that is that indeed one of the differences? Yes. Oh, okay. It's just so how the you interface. Commodore 2002 doesn't, doesn't capture the audio then via the RGB cable. Well, there's there's an audio connector on the on the bottom connector where you plug your RGB, where you plug the RGB cable. One of those pins is also audio. Ah, okay. And yeah, the my Magnavox 8515, I, I had a cable that actually did have the sound come through, so the sound and the RGB would both come 
come yeah. through, even on a non-tendy monitor at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mark, Mark Overholzer has posted a link to the Coco Flash in the uh, YouTube live chat. It is available for $50 USD. And what do you have there? Is that your Coco Flash you just got? Yep, I just got it in the mail just now. Grant just got his Coco Flash in the mail. Everybody look under your chairs right now. <laughs> There's a Coco Flash is for chair. everyone. That's right. <laughs> Speaking yeah, about that, kind of, like. a, kind of a funky question, but it's more of a Skype question. Now, for some reason, I am locked in on Curtis right now. You need to click on... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Click off of him, I think. How do I see the other guys? How, how does that... Uh, just, just click on you Curtis. Don't want to. Click on Curtis again, and you'll get back to everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, it's locked in on Curtis. It really loves Curtis. Skype. <laughs> Skype I have that guy. problem, too. <laughs> what, if what you I go already, to Coco Live... Yeah. And click on the live view in your web browser. You can watch it, but it's a little delayed. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I'm using the uh, desktop version, but not a problem. So, you know, that was good. And uh, just out of curiosity, uh, can the Tandy CM8 RGB be used via some kind of connector with other uh, non-Tandy computers? Like, for example, like a Commodore or... I don't, I don't see why not, because, I mean, Magnavox, as long as you, there's some signals you might have to muck with a little bit, there were some little adapters, whether it's negative or positive. I can't remember the exact details, but, I mean, I could RGB use, like, a Neck Multisync 2, a Magnavox 8515, a bunch of others, and those were also available for the Ataris, the Commodores, yeah. the Amigas. So, right. yeah, you could theoretically reverse. You way. can't hook up a Commodore 64 to a, to a CM8 because you've got to have RGB output. Yes, the CM8 is an RGB monitor. Right. But you yeah. could, an Amiga, you, you could, could connect an Amiga, yes. Or no, an, an Amiga Atari 500, you could connect to a Tandy yes. CM8. You need to to make the proper um, connection cable, of course. But yeah, it, it does drive an RGB display like the CM8. Yeah. Uh, Atari ST as well. And the Atari ST, yeah. Because I've got I've got a growing collection of monitors, but those are so you know, bulky, and mm -hmm. uh, that, that I'm trying to find multi-purpose as much as I can for for some of those monitors. But that's uh, no. And, and so aside from that, in in my newbie discovery, uh, obviously when I started you going for the Coco SDC and then starting eyeing the Coco Flash, I said, okay, how do I use both? And I started looking at those MPIs. Um, you know, and I, obviously I see the, you know, the vintage MPIs that are available on eBay. Um, so I looked at those a bit and then I looked at some of the, the new fabricated ones, including the mini, the mini MPI. So I'm going to look forward to the conversation regarding what else is coming out that you guys were referring to that that could potentially fit the bill there as well. Um, mm -hmm. Hold your cash. <laughs> How many ports are you talking about and what's coming out? Right. Because the, the well, let's talk about it when we talk. We'll talk about it later. We're gonna get yeah. to the new segment in just a minute. I've got to take a quick break because I think something just came in the mail too. Um, <laughs> so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna run a couple of commercials and we'll be back. Uh, but David, right. if you have time to hang out, continue to hang out. Um, we're delighted to have your questions and, and be able to answer them. And it's great. This is the perfect day you called in because 
everything you have a question about, we've got the sources here for the answers. So you, ha- you right, have questions, good. we have answers. And, and if you need opinions, Nick Morentes is great for that too, right? Especially if you want to, <laughs> if you want to tell how not to promote a product, uh, Nick Morentes is good for that too. <laughs> That's right. He gives Avoid that trollway. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to run maybe a commercial or two. I'm going to go check my mailbox, and I'll be back, boys and girls. So thank I- you. Don't go anywhere. Coco Talk will be right back. Times Garage, as you can see, Color Computers, Coco Chalk, Stevie Stroh, what can you ask for? This is the best. Hi. Hey, what's going on everybody? It's me, it's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD today, head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. All right. Well, we are back. And I do have something kind of cool to show off. And we'll see if Nick Morentes could not recommend a competitive product while I'm in the process of showing this off. But just (laughs) in the mail today, um, something new and exciting has come in. You're going to see it here first. This is the big reveal. This is the opening, but the best of Coco Talks, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Now don't buy it! (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. There's this thing called YouTube you can get that on. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, there's an exclusive episode that's been split between the two of these, so there is something on here that is not available on YouTube. So this is Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, very nice packaging. We're going to open it up right now. We'll take a look. I'm going to pop open volume one. So this is um, what I'm going to be. Uh, these are going to be made available exclusively at Coco Fest, which is two weeks from today. And of course, now I am uh, shrink wrap challenge. Okay, I think I just got it. Uh, nice packaging. Woohoo! Look at this. I like it. I love it. When you open the whole thing up, that's the look, right? It got so damn glossy, right? So. It's, it's the whole thing, right? Now, on the inside, 
Shiny. You've got the DVD. I kept the gay pride flag here for Grant because he said I got to have at least something gay on here. So here we have that. That's the, uh, that's the <laughs> color you, bars. So, um, and now the inside here, this, this I did I thought was very clever. Um, so um, the insert here is a blank piece of paper because... And you are clever. I am clever because <laughs> what it says here is it says... This page intentionally left blank to get autographs of your favorite cocoa nuts at Cocoa Fest. So Ooh. if you come to Cocoa Fest, you can meet 90% of the people who are on Cocoa Talk every week and get them to autograph your Best of Cocoa Talk DVD. And so this is volume one. And um, yeah, so the actual um, disc looks pretty nice too. Let me just get a kind of nice close up of this. So that's, so that's what. That's what Stevie meant by in lieu of getting payment that we get some sort of recognition. <laughs> well, I'm charging 50 bucks for a signature. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you forgot to put that disclaimer in, Steve. What's that? Our fees for the signatures. Oh, Appear appearance fees. We got to pay for the motel somehow. Yeah, appearance signature fees, exactly. fee not included. Yeah. Are they available on cartridge day? Yeah, so what you can do is you can convert this to a bin, and then you can take that bin and load the bin into the Cocoa Flash. There's room for hundreds of these things on there. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you stream it through the Cocoa VGA, right? In Grayscale? Yes. Yep, 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 yep. And Audio VR Orchestra 90, right? Yes, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. I'm, I'm going to hold out for the Betamax version. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do know the DVD is already retro. No one buys DVDs anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Who's got a DVD player? Guys like us. Pick one up at a pawn shop somewhere, right? So, yeah, $15 or less. Blu ray player that plays them. So. Well, exactly. A Blu ray yep. player will play it. Most game consoles will play DVDs and Blu rays too. Like, I actually have been watching them in my Xbox. So, um, you know, yep. um, there are ways to play a, a video disc. There are many ways to do that. So cool. So, um, so we have Miami David. I can't even say David L. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. New member of the Coco communities here. Hopefully, we answered some of your questions. And um, I got to get me a Coco Flash too. One of the things where Nick was talking about, where uh, he says that the Coco SDC is like a ROM cartridge. It, it is in a sense because it is a cartridge, but there are some slight differences because it is a disc image, and you know, there's just some minor logistical differences. But functionally, the ability to pull up a software title very quickly, very easily. That is there. Um, I think the nice thing about the Coco Flash is if you wanted to experience all the cartridge games, um, you know, as a cartridge on a cartridge and not have to worry about, you know, loading them first and just boom, boom, boom. Um, again, very similar, but slight differences from a bin file versus a, a mounted disk image file. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, you don't have to. You don't have to stroke my ego. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I. Um, I don't know if anybody else does this or not, but I use um, I use things like this as a way to learn about the pro learn about the machine. Right? It's interesting to know what's going on, like a color computer, what what makes it tick, how does it work, how do you interface with it, whatnot, and it, emulating a drive. And you know, don't want to take anything away from what Darren Atkinson did with creating Coco SDC, but that's a pretty complex uh, operation to emulate a floppy disk drive and yeah, there's a there's a unless you have really good knowledge of how the floppy drive system works, it could be a high chance for failure. And and if you're just trying to learn the system, it's it's difficult to do. Cars are dirt simple, and so it's a very neat way to learn about the environment. And when you get done, you have something that people might be able to take advantage of. So I think that's really the, 
this of something like Cocoa Flash, and then with that success, then you can go on and, and work on other things that's more complex than that, like something like Cocoa SDC or the Wi-Fi stuff or sound or whatever, but everybody has to start somewhere. The other thing you got to remember, too, is that micro SDs do wear out. You have to keep a backup because you never know when you're going to get that failure. Mm-hmm. Right. Another nice thing about the Coco Flash is that if you want, if you were de- uh, developing a game that ultimately was going to end up on a ROM cartridge, this is a great way to test that without needing an EEPROM burner. You can take that yep. file, yep. load it to Flash, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but your um, Coco Flash also supported the bank switching for so for games like RoboCop and a few other ones. If you've got the thirty greater than thirty two k barrier, you can handle that too. Correct. It is. That is correct. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very good. I'm just just popping in my DVD, and I hope the bloody thing comes up here in a second. That's one of the reasons (laughs) why I ordered them early, is I wanted to make sure. What? What? Here we go. All right. So here we are going to do this right now, folks. I'm going to show you what the DVD looks like. Hopefully, hopefully here. I'm going to go back to full screen. I am going to. Shit. Where did it go? (laughs) I got to find the thing. It just came up here a minute ago and said, "What do you want to do with this?" So I'm going to say. Uh, how do we do this? These are going to be available at uh, Coco Fest, right? They're going to be they're going to be available at Coco Fest. And now, how do I open? How do I do this? I now? guess ease of use. It wasn't thought <laughs> of yet. Not, well, because my my PC says, "What do you want to do with it?" And then I didn't answer the prompt in time. So now it's like. Oh, even. Well, All right. So, so right click so on the out. drive and use the menu. I tried doing that. It wasn't freaking working. So this is this is Windows in action here for you. Right, What's so your day job? Windows 10. All right, open in new window. Open autoplay. Here we go. So I want to hit play DVD. There we go. We'll do it live. Baby. <laughs> it is Windows 10. Yeah. And wait for it. <clears throat> Watch it, Mark. Watch it, Mark. There you go. (laughs) It's coming up. We can't help it that, you know, it's user errors. Not Windows 10 error. (laughs) Exactly. See? Oh, right, right. That's his payback. All right, I'll have to deal with this later. I hope this is my freaking challenge and not the production challenge, which is why I have not tried to sell it online yet. I wanted to make sure the damn thing works. So, uh, I had one problem before where somehow whatever image file I sent them um, didn't work right. So, all right, we'll screw up that later. All right. And yeah, so Brendan had also mentioned in the YouTube chat that the Cocoa Flash was handy for helping Neil Blanchard and Rick Adams debug an issue with the new version of Bomb Threat. Um, there you go. Cool and it's beans. the cheapest way. It's the cheapest way, and maybe the only way you can buy an orchestra uh, ninety cartridge nowadays. That's true. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, they're uh, hard to find. I'm, I'm still not yeah. sure I'm going to hire you back. <laughs> well, I, I, I wanted to point out earlier: if if there's an orchestra ninety built into every one of them, if you're going to make a game that sports audio, everybody that has a Cocoa Flash has got their orchestra ninety. So I'm sure yeah. Jim might give you an idea of how many, how big that number is, and it's like, hmm, okay. Can't guarantee everybody else has the Coco PSG okay. or the Coco GMC or the. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know that number, Jim? Um, seven. Within twenty five. 
within I, within 25 you know is it more totally, than 50 I, yeah and i'm um probably about uh 75 or 80 individuals on it at this point wow yep there you go. That means that there are 75 or 80 individuals that have Orchestra 90 capability, plus the few other resistors that actually have one and yep. an MPI. And there you have it. Something to think about in your games. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the purple lines on this thing where it's been burned. It almost looks like there's nothing burned on here. Uh, very, <laughs> very, very strange. I'll have to pop it into another player here in a minute. But yeah, I'm, I'm. I, listen, I know I uploaded huge amounts of files to these things, but I, I think this is a production problem, not not my upload problem. They sent um, you a blank disk. Mm, it's got it's a very small disc. ring, very small <laughs> ring in the middle. Uh, Grant Leedy, do you have a question of the week for us? Sure do. All right, so we're going to switch over to the question. Let me try one more thing right now. This is popping up. It says loading. Could not read the disk. Retry. Okay, so both of my disks look exactly the same, and there's very small rings on the burn part. So I'm going to have to contact the production. I'm, I'm afraid to order a quantity of these to bring to Cocoa Fest because I don't know if I got, if I got a, bad, a bad burn or if their master image is screwed up. So I'm going to have to reach out to them, which is why I yeah. wanted to test it. But the packaging looks really nice. Really it does. Super duper packaging. So if nothing else. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for the question of the week with your friend and our friend, Mr. Grant Leedy. Take it away, Grant. All right. Well, with Coco Fest coming up right around the corner, I have a very simple question. Um, what do you need to bring to Coco Fest and why? Pair so the way. <laughs> Lots of money. <laughs> Sounds like we all need to bring pens for all that autographing we're going to have to do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Stevie. Cocoa pie. Cocoa pie. Cocoa pie fits in my uh, briefcase or, you know, my uh, carry-on, whatever. You could probably put a dozen in there. Yep. And a monitor and a keyboard. What kind of topping does a cocoa pie have on it? <laughs> <laughs> you have some it's cool just whip. Paul Thayer says clear to go. Thanks for being here, Paul. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you later. I mean, do you guys do you guys bring a lot of cocos with you, or do you guys not bring the cocoa and just kind of bum off everybody else who's got the cocos (laughs) there, or you know, is there a reason to bring the cocoa? Well, there's going to be some there, right? Set up, working, functioning. I would think so. Yes, would hope so. Mm-hmm. When you go back to your room, you want to play till four in the morning with your own, though. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're going to hide in your room and play with your own cocoa instead of conversing with everybody? Well, yeah. like at 2 a.m. when you leave everyone, 2 to 4 a.m. We just leave bit. everybody. We're no. all in the yeah. hotel lobby until yeah, 3 a.m. Yeah, we're there until the daylight hours, oh, basically. Okay. Hey, well, I, got an, I got an upgraded room. So that we you know we can go back up there and have more private conversations. Yay! BYOB. So I think that question depends on the individual. Also depends on how you're traveling. So for me, because I fly in and out, I, well, the things I can bring, I'm limited to what I can fit in my suitcase. And yeah, yeah so no CM8. No CMA. Also, when the, thing, the things I want to buy in the auction, I also have to think, can I fit this in my suitcase? So, no. right. um, so they have UPS and, 
Yeah, yeah no. but usually the amount of time you have to do it and et cetera, et cetera, it's just, uh, you know. So, um, yeah, uh, if you're going to be exhibiting something and you've got a table, then, yeah, you need to bring whatever you plan to have on your table. Uh, I know you're bringing the banner for ease of use, right? Correct. Now, you're driving there, right, Grant? Yes, I am. Okay. Now, are you going to be bringing your own Coco 3 to, to um, demo ease of use on? Yep, I'll be bringing a Coco uh, 2, Coco 3, and the uh, Dragon, so I can rub that in David's face. Ah, <laughs> wow. Uh, now, now, Grant. Uh, and you're bringing disp- individual displays for each one, too? I'm going to be bringing the uh, CM8 and probably a TV. Okay, because you're going to run out of room on the table. The table isn't terribly big. Did you guys get a double-wide? <laughs> no, we only got one table, but the Coco 2 is going to be going over to uh, Richard to work on. So. Oh, okay. So you're going to have you're going to have basically the Coco 3 be set up, and the Dragon will be just there for kind of like show and tell. Are you going to have the Dragon hooked up to a TV as well? That's what I'm planning to do. Yeah. Okay. Hey Jim, will the Coco Flash work on the Dragon? Yes, it will. <clears throat> it will. In fact, Grant. Hopefully, by the time. Um, uh, by the time Coco Fest rolls around, um, Grant's got his unit. He was just showing um, because he's going to be testing out some uh, new software for menuing and whatnot that works. It's a com- combo program that works on the Coco One, Two, Three, and the Dragon, and it will automatically tell which games work on what units or stuff like that. So we've got uh, there's a guy um, in Dragonland. I'm not exactly sure where he lives, but anyway, he's been working on that. He has a Coco One, Two, Three, and a Dragon, and he's been. Um, diligently working um, Pere or I'm Pere, sure I'm messing Pere up Sarat. the name yes Pere, yes. Pere <clears throat> yes he's been working on it and, and he's really excited about it and so Grant's going to be doing some testing on it now I know this is a Very delicate cool. question and there are intellectual property copyright concerns and stuff but is there a way to ship a Coco Flash with some level of preloaded <laughs> software that's been cleared for you know public distribution <clears throat> Yep, there is. There is. The big thing is, like you say, um, you know, you wanna you wanna make sure that you're balancing the, you know, providing people with something that's very useful with respecting, um, you know, copyrights and and being kind of on the right side of things in that area. But but there's some stuff that comes preloaded on the unit, and um, uh, and then of course, you know, if there's if there's stuff that people want to have added to it as a preloaded piece and we can get the permissions to do so i'm happy to add that to the preloads that go on to the unit gotcha gotcha just out of curiosity are they games today or or software titles in general that are only available in uh i would say in cartridge form and not in uh fun star Pawnstar, Pawnstar, <laughs> uh, Farfall, and Farfall, uh-huh. and some of. Um, so those are Bond exclusively Bond available Bond as carts. Well, exclusively is kind of an interesting term. I mean, you can. For years, there've been tutorials on how to take a cartridge and can copy the data off to disk, and then you could have it as a disk game, like Nick is talking about. But I'm, I'm not aware of a way to legally obtain a disk version of Farfall. You'd have to buy the cartridge version and create uh, a disk. Talk, talk, to, talk to John about that, but I seem to recall them that there actually is a disk version of that. Oh, really? But, okay. But, but uh, that's you talk to John about that to check that out, yeah. Well, of course... Farfall was designed to run on a ROM cartridge because of the fact that it also uses the double speed poke, which speeds up ROM 
for some yep. of the routines. Now the new, and again, the, the next version he's releasing, which we'll show in the news too, that has the sound chip on it, that has to be released on cartridge because it's using the sound chip on the cartridge. Um, so Farfall has never been technically released to run off cartridge other than the alpha or beta copy that was being, you know, released prior to the, to the cartridge version. So, and it's not freeware. Um, so hmm. does he sell a bin version of the carts though? No, that, no, uh, because it's, because it's kind of, because that's how he's keeping his copyright to a, to a degree. Oh, okay. Is that uh, all the other challenge with Farfall is it will not run on a Coco 3 because it uses semi graphics mode. So it's a Coco 1 and 2 ah. um, compatible game. Yeah. Um, and the fact, as Stevie mentioned earlier, it also because it, it is able to use the double speed ROM poke, it actually runs that the clip that you see when you see the YouTube videos. If you tried to run it from straight RAM, it would actually run slower. Mm on a Coco one or two. Right. But, uh, but so Rick Adams put out a game, a bomb, which Rick is bomb threat, right? Not bomb threat. Bomb so Rick Adams yeah. his first run was on cartridge at Tandy assembly. He does sell a disc image you can purchase online, um, to get bomb threat, which is the, the latest game from Rick Adams and bomb squad, which is John Strong's was released on cartridge. I can't speak for John Strong if he would make one available to you or not. Um, there's, I don't think there's anything unique about it that would prevent it from running as a disc-based game. He just had a very unique 3D printed cartridge, multicolor cartridge he produced for the game that kind of matched the theme of it and stuff. Um, so there's a handful of new titles on, on ROM cartridge that are mostly designed to be sold and distributed that way. Didn't there used to be uh, ways to take a cartridge and put it on disc? Yeah, yes, we have, yeah. Yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, you can do that, but again, in the case of Farfall, it's designed to run at double speed poke. But you could take Farfall if you purchase a legitimate copy of Farfall and use known methods to copy a bin file from the cartridge to the flash through a multipack, right? Um, and run it that way and, and add it to your library. Okay. But again, that's a Coco 1 and 2 game, and David currently, David, Miami David only has a Coco 3. Yeah. Um, and the latest version of Farfall needs to be run on the game, um, um, the GMC cartridge anyway, because it uses the sound chip. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, copying, gonna... copying the ROM wouldn't give you the sound. Right, right, on the new one, right. right. On the new one, yeah. Right, right. So there's something cool. I think there's something really cool about a cartridge. I like the fact that we have cartridges. I like that they're shiny and new. I like that mm -hmm. we have choices. If somebody wants to develop a program and have it on cartridge, there's a number of ways to test the development. We can test that development in MAME. Um, we can test it with the Cocoa Flash on hardware. Um, you know, so if you want to produce your own game and ultimately distribute it on cartridge, we have the we have the power, um, which is kind of cool. Very cool. Um, one thing that David um, might also be curious about is the whole uh, artifacting on the uh, RGB monitor, the fact you don't get the art artifacting. Have you noticed that problem, uh, uh, David? I mean, I, what I've noticed is definitely, and I, well, I, I haven't really compared them side by side, but I seem to, to recall that definitely when I went from the Commodore 2000 to RGB to the 10D CM8, 
um, that colors were more vibrant, and I think there was less artifacting in one between one and the other for certain game titles or certain types of imaging. Is that what you're referring to? Um, not quite. Um, like if you run if you run the original copy of uh, Steve York's Zaxxon, for example, on yes. your computer now, how, how does it come up? Does it come up in color or black and white? Um, actually, when I don't know which version of Zaxxon I'm, I'm, I'm running currently, but I know for a fact that I ran it just a couple of days ago against the CM8, uh, and it was in color, but the colors were definitely a bit washed out as if, as if I was running this on a composite monitor, for example. Definitely wasn't crisp, and I, that- I believe it was better on the, on the other monitor. I think that must have been a hacked version. Maybe I'm not sure because it's it's meant to be black and white. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, the, the, a lot of Coco Two games use mm. the same artifact mode that Apple Two games were. It was a black and white mode that used vertical yeah. striping to create orange and blue artifacts, and those were used in a lot of arcade style games. So we had a black background, a white foreground, and we had two, um, you know, kind of bonus colors through artifacting. Yeah, yeah. Orange and blue. The CM8 or RGB monitors do not show off those artifacts at all. So any Coco 2 game, you will see just black and white stripes. Um, mm. So that's where, like, a Magnavox monitor that Curtis has, it kind of can do. It's a combo. It can do RGB yeah. and composite in one. In one. You just screen. hit a switch and you switch between yeah. the two. So cables. there, there is a composite out on the Coco 3, and as you mentioned, the quality is not nearly as good. But right. you, you would need to use either that composite out or the RF out to play some of the older Coco 1 and 2 games that use the full-color ah. artifact mode. And there's a, now, a lot, majority Steve, of a lo- Steve, there's a lot of games uh, that were produced by Tandy that if you hold down the clear key, it will go into an alternate color mode that's a mm. four-color mode. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah. we even they, won't be, with, they won't be very good colors. But then, yeah. then you, but then you can palette them. Right, mm. and that was the hack that um, that Jason came up with for Temple of Rom, for example. So yeah, so if it if it's a Tandy-based game, and you hold down the clear key when you start it up, it'll start it up in an alternate color set, and then you can also write a little basic program ahead of time to change the palette colors of those four colors to make it look like the artifact. I see. Orange and blue. So um, mm. uh, so there's a way. Yeah. No, but the CM8 was a was a was a great surprise. Where, I did, also you, where might, did you get it, by the way? I, I got it on eBay. It was a bit of a gamble. Oh. Uh, wow. Because the guy could only turn it on, had no way of testing it. Sure. Uh, it looked phenomenal uh, in terms of the you know the the state of the com- of the monitor itself. Mm. So yeah. it was a bit of a gamble. I plugged it in, came straight on, uh, perfectly crisp colorful picture didn't have to make any adjustments very pleased by it i think it has never been used wow. I mean, literally the thing came out like new wow. in the box almost wow does it have the door on it too it has the door on it wow uh, that's rare yeah, yeah. Did it have the original box you get the yeah, original, the original box, box the, the original package you bought this uh, two weeks ago didn't you uh, yeah, I did. I think you know I was, it I'm talking I was about, betting. Right? I was betting on that. <laughs> yeah, that's the one from. Uh, I think the one from South Carolina, if I remember yep. correctly. Yep, no, I mean it. it came original box, original box inserts, uh, the styrofoam, even the original plastic or whatever the the monitor was in. It didn't come with any uh, with any manuals or documentation in the box. 
but I, I was crossing my fingers. And there's always that very magical moment when you pull something out of the box you plug it in and you flip the switch, you mm-hmm. know, and it, that's where the gamble works itself out and picture came right up. So I uh, was very pleased um, by that. Just make sure you keep that covered door on it because that's like gold. I know. <laughs> None of the CM8 survived with that still attached. No, I mean, it was um, – I mean, really, there's not a speck of dust on the monitor. Uh, it's it was quite incredible. Uh, I've rarely seen a monitor of that age in that shape, so it was it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Sounds like the original packaging helped protect it too and transport. Yep. Definitely. And the guy had carefully uh, shipped it, you know, box in a box, and the larger box had more styrofoam in it to maintain the original integrity of uh, of the box so nice. good nice. and uh, and for once uh, i think it came in with it was either fedex or ups they didn't destroy the box so that that was good nice yeah. i think grant's on his way to shoot himself <laughs> <laughs> whoever was speaking i saw an apple to uh platinum i believe in the background there right that's is that your that's mark uh, mark Overhoser? yeah it's not a platinum it's just a 2e enhanced I do have one platinum, but it's in a box. Yeah, that that monitor did that Apple IIe color monitor that you've got on yeah. there. Uh, the mm-hmm. doors on those are also uh, very rare. Um, yeah. Those tend to to break very easily, and the hinges are very very brittle. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have two of them, and they both have the doors. One of them has one of the hinges broken, but you know I'm careful with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're a nice monitor. They'll they'll do 80 column just fine, yeah, which is really very nice. Crisp. Very crisp. Uh, the Commodore 1702s won't, but these will. Yeah, yeah. So just so you guys know too, so David, David, uh, I met David through the South Florida Retro Club. I think a few of you may or may not be a member in that Facebook group, but uh, you've seen some of those videos, and they're. Um, there's a lot of people with a lot of different systems there. So we have a handful of Apple guys there, a handful of Commodore guys there. Um, some good expertise. We've got uh, Javier, who's is expert in both retro writing and, and building custom uh, panel replacements for um, LCD mm-hmm. screens. And um, they have graciously agreed to help us pilot uh, the retro talk show that we that we want to do, like our next progression from Coco Talk going to Retro Talk. So besides hey. besides ourselves on the panel, whoever's playing that game, can we turn it down, please? <laughs> um, so um, we have these guys with all their different systems and expertise too. So I'm looking yeah. forward to doing some retro talk shows in the very after Coco Talk. I'm, I have a very full dance card between now and the end of April. Um, I am going to try to make the club meeting at the end of April, which I think is the weekend after Coco Talk. It's going to be yeah, I think it's April. April 28th, I believe, uh, yeah. we picked. So, um, yeah. I'm, al- I'm also in the process of uploading some of the video that I've edited from, from both those club meetings. Uh, I'll be posting that soon. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to our next incarnation of Coco Talk, which will be Retro Talk, where we can have a combination of either talking about multiple systems in one episode or maybe have, like, an Apple-centric episode like this week. We're going to talk about the Apple. We'll get a half a dozen Apple knowledge hey. people oh. to do that. And, one, God forbid, Commodore one week and, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Atari. Uh, very uh, different subcultures. You know, each brand came with its own subculture of users. Sure. sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. like, you're new to the Coco uh, for Brand me, new. Uh, for me, I would be new to all these other systems, so I'm very curious to learn about all the 
hardware additions for the Apple and Atari and Texas Instruments and Amigas and everything else. So I'm really looking it's forward wild. to it. It's wild. Yeah. Um, and I'm also hoping that we will maybe expand our audience when we start talking about topics outside of the Coco. There's only so many people that are going to be interested in Coco Talk, but hopefully Retro Talk will get more viewers and more listeners, you know. Yeah. I mean, currently in the Florida Retro Computer Club on Facebook, we've got roughly, you know, we just started that a few months ago, but we've got about 70 members. And obviously, we're, we're trying to limit that to people who live uh, in Florida, as the name implies. And I just ran a, a little survey earlier this week uh, where people would list, you know, the different system that they own, uh, obviously, a, across a multitude of brands. And, and the count as if this morning was like 40 five different types of computers from the 70s and 80s. So a lot of diversity in the collections that people have. Um, you know, obviously, and everybody has their preferences, but when you break it across the group, you get so you get a huge amount of diversity um, in the systems. And, uh, you know, that's that's a lot. There's a lot of interest. But yeah, I mean, each each make and model uh, I mean, if you look at Commodore, the, the amount of uh, of aftermarket products that are being still engineered today is is mind-boggling in the Thank Apple community too it's crazy right right all right well we're going to move on to news in just a second but before we do let's just get back to Grant's original question if we have any more people that want to um, chime in on this so what do you bring to Coco Fest you bring yourself right you bring what you're going to put on your table um, what else? Anybody want to help contribute to that answer to that question? You know, just one thing to remember is you can sleep a lot more when you're dead. Just don't <laughs> not sleep. <laughs> and you only um, got 48 a, hours. Thirty-six. I have a big suggestion. Anyone who has a Coco Three and wants to upgrade it to a six three zero nine, take it along with you. Yes. Mark Marlette or someone there might be able to do the upgrade for you. And why would you why would you want to upgrade to a sixty three oh nine for? Ease of use. <laughs> More speed. Speed. Ludicrous and it runs speed. cooler. And runs cooler and, too. And it is cooler. It it impresses the ladies. You'll be <laughs> the envy of all your friends. Yeah. Your computer will last longer because it runs cooler. Now yeah. Richard's gonna be doing upgrades there. Yeah. And one of the things that you get with an upgrade is your CPU is now in a socket. So yeah. if something does happen to it, it's easy to replace. Yep, right. that's a good idea yep. too. Right. And I, I think Cloud9 will be doing upgrades like that on the fly too at the show they did last right. year and the year yeah. before. So both both of them are able to do the upgrades. Right. Cloud9 and Voice and Tech. And I don't know, Jim, Jim, are you doing any upgrades or repairs or uh, warranty exchange work or anything like that? Uh, <laughs> warranty exchange work. That's all I get done with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, certainly you can buy yeah. some. Commodore stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I, if you, I, I try not to bring, I try not to bring the competitive offerings <laughs> to uh, to the Coco Show. But I would say, you know, if um, if people want to save on shipping and they know they want something, then I, you know, I'm happy to throw it in the vehicle and and bring it along and 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 dole it out at the show. But I don't, I probably won't bring in the Commodore stuff. I will bring those stuff that is not so platform specific, um, the Coco stuff. But no, as far as Doing upgrades and whatnot. I'm gonna let Mark and uh, and Lorbieski take care, or Boys in Tech. I'm gonna let Cloud9 and Boys in Tech take care of all of the, your all of your uh, 680909 whatever upgrade needs. You'll be busy uh, selling your flashcards. That's right. That's right. 
Buy a Coco Flash, get an Orchestra 90 free. Today only. <laughs> That's right. And no shipping. No shipping. Right. Yep, and I just uh, oh, just plugged mine in, and mine works great. So no returns here for, uh, for you, Jim. <laughs> so no MC10 upgrades at Coco Fest? <laughs> Well, I'm sure I'm sure Richard would do it if you want to bring your MC10. He'll put a oh, well, something in it, 6303 hey, in it. James, are you would you would you make available your upgraded ROM? Or is is the MC10 ROM socketed or is it uh, surface mounted? Uh, some of the early uh, MC10s like mine uh, have a socketed ROM, but the majority of them it's all soldered to the board. Mm. That would have to be desoldered and socketed, similar to a 6309 upgrade. Exactly. That's something Richard <laughs> Voice and Tech could do. Yeah. It should, and, it should uh, be mentioned, too, for Coco 1s and 2s. Um, the Coco 1s in particular, I think most of those were socketed, too. So if you wanted to get a 639 upgrade for that, which, you know, the Nitro 9 twos. that we just did with me mm-hmm. and David there is actually taking advantage of it now, too. So, so how hard would it be to upgrade a uh, MC10 to a 6809? Impossible. Oh, that's impossible. A that's a complete opinion. rewrite. Yeah, that's, that's not that the same. That would require a new ROM and uh, an adapter to hook the 6809 into it. I think yeah. you'd be better off upgrading it to a Dorito. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there is a 60 um, Hitachi 6303, but you would have to have the CPU desoldered and socketed. And uh, if you want something like that done at, at uh, the the uh, Coco Fest, you'd probably want to take along the the proper sockets with you to be sure be sure they had them. If, yeah. You know. How many pins is that, James? Oh. Is it twenty four or twenty eight pin? I can't remember off the it top is of my head. A, let me grab the unit I have right here. It's forty pin. It is forty, 40 pin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Richard will have those uh, for when he does the uh, 6309 upgrade. So. Interesting. So there's a Hitachi replacement for the uh, <laughs> MC10, too. Yeah. Does, yep. it, does it have a cool. native mode that runs 20% faster? It has no <laughs> native mode. It's always in native mode and ah. runs 20, 20% faster. So it needs a new ROM in order to get the timing right on the cassette and the serial or like printer or whatever. Ah. And it has, has some extra hardware multiply instructions and stuff too, doesn't it? Uh, no, actually it had, but uh, what was it? It has um, an exchange D and X instruction so, so that you can uh, swap the contents of D and X, do some math, and swap them back where before you'd have to either push them onto the stack or store them on like in the direct page or something to to uh it, it's a it's a cheap replacement for the um, lea instruction mm-hmm. instead of using leax you could swap them and and do whatever math you needed in d and then swap them back is uh dnx is that that guy that says y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here up in here is that that guy <laughs> I believe yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, no. That's a no. Anyway. <laughs> what you been watching? Meanwhile, moving uh, right along. All right. So have we beat this one to death? Have we answered enough of what to bring to Coco Fest? Bring alcohol. Um, bring birth control. Bring protection. 
Um, <laughs> for the vendors, oh, I, 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 what kind of show am I getting into? Definitely a different subculture. Sure. Seriously, for the vendors, do not do not forget extension cords and power strips. And, 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 yep. and receipt books for us foreigners yep. that have to try to cross customs. There yep. you go. And I'll uh, throw just, out just uh, I'll throw out festware like the stuff you're wearing right now, and um, and any donations to the auction. Yes, donations yes. to the auction Outrage. for the no minimum bid auction. So if you have unused or unneeded um, merchandise, bring that to the auction, and uh, that'll get auctioned off, and that will help. Keep, that'll help make sure this won't be the last Chicago Cocoa Fest because every year they never know if it's going to be the last, right? It's all up there's on the a, auctions. There's a certain yeah. mug that uh, Jason needs to bring. Yeah, oh, yes. The, uh, the mug yeah. of douchery. Uh, Even if it breaks. Someday you'll get over that, Stevie. Someday. No, never. <laughs> uh, we need to get Stevie a custom mug, too, that just says, I can't make it past level one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> From Trollware or something. Level Trollware. one only. Manual? <laughs> what manual? Ready level one. <laughs> there you go. Ready level one. And repeat that. Infinitive. Yes. Ready level There's one. Level Ready level one. Ready okay. level one. So we're going to move on to news. But before we do, how about a sneak peek at the Coco Forever teaser trailer 2? Don't forget a break that? at some point. Don't forget a break at some point. All right. We'll take a break right after the teaser and then we'll come back with some news. All right, Coco Forever Teaser 2. Here we go. Imagine a different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco Forever. How does it feel? I'm still You definitely earned this office. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. You want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt-reality OS9 module? <laughs> it's only a 40 years past due, but yeah, sure. Randy Kindig of the Poppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Cocoa Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at CocoTalk live and clicking on the patreon link but just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show all right well we are back with news it is now 
the news segment. Look at this bug here that I've got for us here. Look at that. Ooh. News. Ooh. So, um, very, very cool stuff. Um, and so the first thing that I'll show off in the news is um, the new designs for the Coco Talk After Dark shirt, which I showed off earlier. The DVDs, which are now to be determined, but I was going to show these off, but that's kind of um, that's kind of up in the air right now. So we do have a bunch of stuff going on this week in Facebook. Um, one of them is this guy here. <laughs> Doing his best Simon Jonathan impression. <laughs> so here's our friend John W. Linville showing off his latest Farfall cartridge. This is the, uh, the, the Master Edition that has his game um, Master Sound Chip in it. I'll show you that uh, YouTube demo here shortly. Here is Richard, uh, pre-manufacturing items, ready to be warranty returned. But um, this is, <laughs> and here, here's the name for it here. It's called the Coco 1000 Segatari Joystick Adapter. So he's got a bunch of these things uh, getting ready for he's, Coco Fest. Just he's changed the name, I think. We, it again, we told huh? him last, yeah, we told him, I, I told him last night, I said that nobody wants to buy something with that long of a name come up with a cute name for it so i don't know if he's going to call it what, uh, curtis what did he decide to call it last night it was paragon or something, so right? maybe david did paragon i think is what he was going to call it that's paragon adapter. i think we should keep keep the long name well is, is it a dual adapter for two joysticks at once no but it works on the coco so and the tandy 1000 so work on the dragon too because if it did two, as I was going to say, call it, just call it Grow a Pair or something like that. So. Grow a Pair. Oh, no! God. <laughs> Moving right along. Yes. So, wow. So we've seen John Linville. We've seen the Coco Atari Seg Adapter. All right. Now, we've just seen this a little bit earlier. So Paul was on. We've seen some of Paul's new artwork for his game. We got to hear a little bit about that. So that's pretty good. Again, here we see John Linville putting together lots of far fall cartridges. And so he's ramping up his production at Retro Tinker. These will be available at Coco Fest. If you have not already gotten a copy or two or three of far fall on cartridge, you've got a chance to get another one. This one will include a sound chip. And so then we have our Coco Forever. So Mark was asking, is there a teaser three yet, Bruce? Is there another teaser for Coco Forever? Cue the crickets. Oh, here, wait, here, I'm coming back. Is there, uh, is there another three? Is there a teaser three? Uh, not yet, but I mean, I did tease with a uh, a photo onto Facebook. Yeah, we got tried, a little bit of traction there the other that day. One. Yeah, that was a nice little conversation on Facebook where you showed the giant <laughs> building with the Radio Shack logo on it there. Uh, that yeah, that was the Empire State Building. The Empire State Building now now owned by Actually, Radio Shack. Huh? Okay. Yeah, there you go. So, so no teaser three yet, Mark. Um, this question came up about PAL and artifacting, and um, and to me, when I look at this, does this not look like it's got some artifact in it already? I'm not sure, but this was uh, Rick Fiend. The, the, the timing's different, so the orange and blue don't necessarily show up the same way, correct? Correct. And I'm not sure if we got that whole question answered for him, but I think he was trying to discover. I mean, to me, I see some form of color in here. You know, I see th something that looks like artifacts to me. Maybe it's not exactly the way that we see it, but it looks like yeah. something. It's not straight up black and white. 
it is artifacting, but it's um, yeah, it's wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, a, a purple and uh, mud, muddy green is all you get, uh, and they come as stripes. It's uh, usually striped. It's not uh, a solid area. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It looks ugly. You're better okay. off turning the color off. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Reverse well, that effect. That, yeah, that's PAL. Okay. And the re and of course the reason why we get artifacting in the United States system of NTSE is because PAL is a better quality signal than NTSC. That's right, yeah. So really sometimes being better is not not good, not in our right. case anyway. It's like right. beta in VHS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the big article today, the big story, probably the long conversation we're gonna have mm-hmm. right now is we are now drum roll. talking drum about roll. Ed Snyder's um, and do I have a sound for it's this? Hold on one second. Let me see if I have a sound for this. Okay, that's not exactly a drum roll. No, 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 no. It's not. So, Grimshot. What we have here, we're looking at some circuit board designs. This is a four-slot multi-pack, right? So the mini MPI was small and only had two slots. This is a four-slot MPI that's still smaller than the original MPI. So we can call this, I don't know what he calls it, but it's a, a compact MPI, not a mini. But um, so... He's calling this a mega mini MPI. That's what he calls it, the mega mini. There's well, see, the, this thing is so much better because you can actually hook up six things to this multi-pack. Four yes. cartridges and two RS-232s. Right. So what this is, is the four-slot multi-pack interface with two high-speed serial ports built in. And a sound mm-hmm. chip. Yeah. And a sound chip. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah sound yeah, yeah, chip yeah. built in. Yep, yep, yep. Sound Steve's chip. happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here Where's we see Nick? some of the circuit board designs. Is David uh, still on? I'm still here. Ah, yes. And then here is a uh, kind of look, a looky look at what it will look like next to a Coco. So can significantly smaller than the original multipack. Yeah, yeah. It'll hold four cartridges. It has a built-in Yamaha sound chip. Um, which is which is a better uh, quality one than the uh, OPL three one thousand and yes yeah. right. So this is the same chip that he has in yeah, his um, OPL three uh, what, sound synthesis. What's what's no. his other um, programmable sound generator PSG or what's no? It's a better better one. Better right. This is this is a YM two eighty nine or something like that rather than the um, it's an YM twenty one. Yeah, yeah it's an yeah. This will emulate. It's like what was used on the old Sound Blaster sound cards Blaster, on the 16, PC. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So when you compare the new Mega Multi MPI versus the original MPI, it's basically it's an MPI cut in half. It's yeah. it's it's no longer because it, I used to always look at the MPI as almost like a sidecar to the Coco, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's, this is now almost like a little uh, appetizer tray. It's like an order switcher or dirt platter. <laughs> it's is not much bigger than the STC. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not much. Does it have a switcher? Mm-hmm. Yes. Hard, yes. Yep. Hard on, the, on the right hand side. On the right hand side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it powered as well? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uses a little wall wart. A little mm-hmm. mini mini DC. No, okay. no Which is another reason why it's a little smaller. The is only drawback is it does not have the 12 volt line supplies. Right. So right. you cannot volt. use cartridges that use the 12 volt. You will not be able to use those. Right. Like Such those, as you know. the really old floppy disk controllers. 
Or the graphics X-pad. X-pad controller, too. Mm. Yeah. So can you hook this up to a Coco 1 or 2? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Coco 1, 2, or 3. Is there an announced availability for this? Soon. When he gets no. it done. Yeah. So it <laughs> yeah. is... Um, yeah, this is in the Facebook group. It's conceptware. And so there's a whole bunch of comments on this right now. And, you know, one of the, one of the replies was, you know, you're missing something. You're missing the kitchen sink, right? And so uh, here's here's some more pictures. So oh, my God. I'm holding... Yeah, people wanted more slots. So somebody more decided. Slots. Somebody came up slots. with a seven slot. A little slot, Adobe right? Photoshop trick there. <laughs> 16 slots. Listen, listen. I, I, I think it's time to call for MPI reform, all right? Because you can't have too many slots here. <laughs> An intervention at the very least. No, I was watching this thing, and they said, it would be great if you add this thing. It would be great right. if you add that thing. Right, and then right. so I said, you guys – yeah, go. go scroll scroll down a little further. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> we just need to add the kitchen, the kitchen sink. sink to it. And then Ed's like, okay, how do you how do you interface an eight bit bus to the kitchen sink? Get me the data papers. So does this mean we can control our TV with it? Yes. Well, see, the thing is, everything they kept asking for is why you have a four port multi pack. You yeah. plug that item in. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, so, you don't keep adding to it. Feature creep and design by committee are two things that I'm sure every designer just loathes. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, uh, like, for example, you can put this guy on there and you can have one the RS-232s do your drive wire. You can have another RS-232 doing Sir Sound. Sir Sound. You've got but the built-in sound. Have, yeah, but then you also got the built-in sound. So you can go sound nuts. And go sound nuts. Then you could add a Coco Flash and have a uh, Orchestra 90 on top of that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cats and dogs living in harmony. Mass hysteria. <laughs> you can put a speech sound pack in there, put too. Put a speech sound pack in there for craps and giggles. Of course, there's no software that uses that onboard sound chip, but uh, you know, that'll come in time. It's, yeah, trust me. Nick and I will have solutions to that. Sounds so much better. So this will be the Coco 3.5 when you insert it. Oh, no, guys into Coco 1 and 2 as well. Okay, yeah. Super Coco? No, Super this Coco. is just... The stuff that was it's missing... Giving us, look, you cannot really get multi-packs much anymore. Right. You no. know, it's, it's one of those things that ends up dying. It's kind of like the Orchestra 90. They're hard to get. Yeah, they're hard so, to get. Um, now we this, now we got the multi pack. This again. is a multi pack plus because this is going to be hard to get. Though should be an excellent seller. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no doubt because that's mm -hmm. one of the thing that we've been talking about is that it would be nice if we had some type of core device with built in sound that becomes the standard. <laughs> Whoever just flushes the toilet. The toilet. Yes. <laughs> is that number one or number two? Um, who number does three. number two work for? Yeah. Um, so, uh, we Good now have smell a vision isn't around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh we boy. have reached a new milestone in this show. <laughs> no, it's a low point. Just call it what it is. Yes. So Tom C is asking, does it slice and dice too? Is it a potato peeler? <laughs> That's up to us software guys. <laughs> I'm going to wait for the Cuisinart interface. 
the problem with this is it, in order to put a slicer and dicer in the multi-pack, it just delays the design. So you now have the ability to plug in a slot where you can design your slicer and dicer cartridge. Mm-hmm. We've got plenty of cartridge slots now available. So. Right. <laughs> I, I, uh, last night I went and I looked up what OPL3 was and uh, watched a video of uh, someone playing tunes. And uh, I was... Uh, uh, amazed at the sound. Of course, it's Sound Blaster 16 level stuff. It was. It yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, think about You're the difference between a Nintendo entertainment system and a Super Nintendo as far as sound quality. That's right. what you're looking at between these two chips. Right. Right. Now, is the OPL chip by itself? Is it automatically in stereo, or did, would you need two of those for that to be stereo? Hmm. I'm pretty sure they're mono. They're mono, but yeah, I think see, and the thing is, having two of them run simultaneously, very difficult to get true stereo how that okay. way. What you really need is a, a pan mixer on each chip so you can say where the audio is supposed right, to go. Right, right. That's the same sound chip that's on the Sega Genesis too, right? Um, very close to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So not a bad chip to go with. Um you know, it's uh, this could become the new basic core standard. If you have this device, you can now still run a Coco SDC. You can run a Coco Flash. You already have RS-232 ports built in, and you've got a sound chip. And now this sound chip can become a standard because it's now a standard device. And it's kind of hard to go back and reinvent the Coco SDC and redistribute the Coco SDC. It would have been nice if there was a sound-based Coco SDC. But that ship sailed. So now we have a sound-enabled, hopefully affordable multi-pack. The, the two slots was going for $80 with the 3D printed case shipped. Well, plus shipping, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah. well, he's, he's talking about, yeah, about 130 140 for this. No, which is not bad because you would pay that much for the old MPI, right? Well, it's much more. Supply, more. Right? more. Yeah, they're, more. Right. they're about 200 bucks now. Some yeah. of wow. the ones that I've is, seen, yeah. Is the power and it didn't have a sound chip. Now, can somebody elaborate a little bit on the RS-232 aspects of that? Because one of the things I always like to do with uh, some, some retro computers is, uh, you know, connect it to maybe uh, a BBS or... Head might explode, kind of, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, what is, uh, I mean, what is the option without this, uh, this MPI and what would be the option with the MPI? Well, first off, David, just so you know, your Skype video is not coming through. You're just spinning oh. in circles. So I don't know if you want to try That's to turn good. your camera off and back on yep. again. Um, I'll answer one question, and then we'll let David Ladd, our resident technologist, um, give you the short and, and succinct answer to this because uh, that's what he excels at. But the, uh, the Coco 3 has a serial port built in that they call the Bitbanger. Um, and, and that's about the extent of where my knowledge ends. So there is a serial <laughs> port that um, that's on there, um, and I'll let somebody else now take it. And it's CPU <laughs> intensive like crazy. Yes. It's a software version of the RS-232. So the CPU is being used uh, to generate the RS-232. Whereas the new, the ones that are in the new MPI is a hardware-based RS-232. Uh, so it's less CPU intensive on the Coco, uh, and that's the the peak of my knowledge. And Another okay. reason like we we have other RS232 packs, like the one Tandy put out, which is a hardware based RS232 as well, but it does one byte at a time. 
So mm-hmm. you're still servicing for every byte. The bit banger you have to do every right. bit. So it's yeah. eight times as much overhead. The 16550s are using in this thing actually have FIFOs built in so that you can get an interrupt saying, you know, I've got 10 bytes ready for you right now. And you can read 10 bytes off in one shot from one IRQ. So the CPU overhead is way, way less. So you could actually use this in a multitasking system and actually get decent drive wire performance. Or using some of the wireless things like David and uh, Alan Huffman have been doing, you can log on to Telnet BBSs and stuff through it too, using, you know, software that's been designed to run 16550. Right. Nitrous 9 has already existing 16550 drivers mm-hmm. from the 90s, because there was a couple of boards back then that supported that chip. So there's already terminal programs for Nitrous 9 that support this right out of the gate. They just have to just change the descriptor, whatever address Ed decides to use, set it at. So that that is a, a potential thing to do there. Some RSDOS stuff, you'd need to do some patches. Um, the other nice thing about the 16550s, for me personally, is that uh, with properly designed games, you could actually make a multi-user game that you could link directly between two of these ports, between two Cocos, or you can go yeah. over the net and actually do a multiplayer game yep. at fairly decent speeds. All right. But okay, remember, sorry, this David, is still in ahead. development. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good board. Mm-hmm. He's ordered connect- prototype boards, right? So yes. he's he's gonna he's 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 on it. He's on it. It's he next- knows what he's doing too. That's the thing. Yeah. It's he's the got a good track record. Thing. He's got a good track record with stuff, and this is something people will really want. Yeah, and he was asking, like, you know, he doesn't want to have to design all the software himself. And then I mentioned, like, we already have a sixteen five fifty driver. The Nocan three had one, and then uh, uh, Rick Ulan's Connect. Also had a high-speed one, too, 16550 base. So there's drivers done and ready to go already. You just have to change the address. <laughs> the sound chip will need a little bit more mm-hmm. focus as drivers go. But Yeah. How many voices does, does that OPL chip support? Um, yeah. It was there's a noise to... channel. I know that. So, so YM262. Yeah. Was it 16 channels? I can't remember. Well, it should be interesting. I posted yep. a link on the the uh, the voice chat uh, call chat in Skype. In Skype. Okay. Uh, it has several different modes, and then I think it's from eighteen down to three, by the looks of it, depending on yeah. the mode. I also posted a link to a YouTube video with pretty good example. A sound. Okay, let's see if we can't switch that over. Kind of one second here. Yeah, the demo up is very reminiscent of the type of music you hear on the Genesis. Why is it not playing? Oh, why am I not <laughs> hearing it? This is weird. You have to go a little whiles into it. Try skipping ahead about a minute. Is this thing on? Yeah, I'm not <laughs> hearing anything. Oh, I know why. I know why, because my sound mixer, has, I think, has got the YouTube thing muted. So hold on one second. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't accidentally. There we go. Yeah. Let's back it up. Yeah, that sounds good. 
It's got slides and vibrato and oh my goodness. Pitch bending kind of stuff. Wow, that's a good sounding chip. This is too good for the cocoa. We can't have this. Kill this project now. Kill it now. Is that right? Yeah, that's really good. And you can do custom instruments to uh, download yeah. to it. Yeah, that oh was one of the gosh. real advantages of that. Um, it has a whole bunch of built-in ones like violins and synthesizer, guitar, and whatever, but and several different drum options. Wow. But, uh, yeah, you can do custom instruments as well. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, you got to remember, you know, my post-Coco days, I was off doing stuff on Nintendo sega and a bunch of other systems and just the sound capability on those were so great compared to what we had on the coco and i'm sitting there going yeah this is going to be nice for some future projects i'm very very happy bring them on <laughs> i'm very very ha happy camper. He has been very enthusiastic on Discord. <laughs> yes, he So, has. Steve, is the sound chip so good that if they put it on the MC-10, you'd consider writing a game on that, too? No. <laughs> there he are limits. <laughs> Even if James is willing to rewrite the ROMs so that it's better? Uh, I don't think he'd be using the ROMs. <laughs> As I said, the only good use of an MC-10 is for target practice. Well, let me uh, let me just give you guys a, 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 another teaser. Uh, I'm I'm not saying what it's going to end up looking like, but I recently was speaking to our uh, T-shirt artist Joel Adams, and I had asked him to come up with some more Coco stuff, and I sent him a picture of the MC-10, and mm -hmm. was, and he's like, "Well, I don't really have any." Uh, emotional attachments because you know Rick um, his dad was Rick Adams so he's very much uh, emotionally attached to the Coco he's like well I don't have any emotional attachment to the MC-10 I go well here's some food for thought I go on our show there's kind of a running gag where we call this computer the doorstop so if you can think mm -hmm. of some artistic oh, no. way to show an MC-10 <laughs> holding open a door that might be a good seller on our show so, Gary close your eyes uh, so uh, we, I don't know that he's started that design yet but the same guy who did our Coco Talk man might give us an MC-10 doorstop uh, design and I can't wait to have that t-shirt available <laughs> so um just remember, folks, how much the MC-10 hurt the Coco deluxe is why company. I don't like it. Yeah, it, it killed the Deluxe, which had a sound Tandy, chip. He, he blames an inanimate object for Tandy's choices. <laughs> so in the chronology of the Coco, where, when did the MC-10 come in? Oh, no, here it goes. Okay. <laughs> I just heard a new bug. I you really bug want to open up a can of worms again? 1983, in case you're wondering. It came in just before the Coco 2 and made and and killed the Coco Deluxe essentially. So. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was way too late for what it did. You see, they were trying to compete with the uh, Timex and Claire. Yep, mm -hmm. like the Spectrum. Yeah. It was the beginning of the end for T. Well. No. Uh, if anybody's interested, Richard Lorbieski has joined us. The, 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 the MC10 doing Windows, I see on somebody's 
Yeah, that was Richard who put that one up, yeah. Yeah. It's supporting Windows. Yeah, supporting all, I Windows. Say, all I can say is in the Coco Forever, one of the decisions has to be not doing the MC-10. <laughs> mm. or, or it could be the MC-10 takes over the world. Oh, oh God. No. No. no, definitely. No, no, no. Jim Garrison. No, we just went from sci-fi. It went from sci-fi to horror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do horror. Bruce Moore goes back in the first time machine. Jim Gary goes back in the second time machine a week before Bruce and screws up all his plans. (laughs) Uh, What if Bruce got it right and Jim Gary just effed it up? (laughs) You go back and wait with a gun. Uh, um, uh, So Richard must have done the wiring on his microphone because it's not working right now. So. Oh. Oh. Send it to Jim, he'll fix it. <laughs> Stevie, I need to make one slight uh, correction if I could. Go ahead, David. Uh-oh. Slight? Um, on the uh, multi-pack stuff that Edit's been doing, there is one slight thing. If you do need the 12 volts, okay. I believe that on the Coco 1, if the 12 volts is coming from the Coco 1, I believe Ed is routing it so that way the devices, if they need it, will get the 12 volts from the Coco 1 through the bus. Yeah. But on the Coco 2s and 3s, obviously there's no 12 volts on them, so you okay. won't get the 12 volts. Okay. But that means if you're a hacker, you can hack his multi-pack to put 12 volts on that bus. Right. So that's mm, one way around it. did do too. back in the day to run the X-pad and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. There we go. So hopefully Richard will. Uh, Richard says I'm on an MC10. That's why it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a cocoa project. So Ron, da- David, Ron's got his MC10 up on the screen. <laughs> David, do you know what the uh, um, um, XPad is? Uh, no, never heard of that. It, of it's that. a it's a drawing device. Yeah, graphics yeah. tablet, the first or, gen. Or, or like the, um, yeah, some, a lot of the brands had something like that at the time, right? Yeah. Koala Pad, I think, for Apple. and. Uh, we also had a Koala Pad, too. Oh, yeah. Koala yeah. Pad as well, yeah. Yeah. The, the X-Pad did better quality and higher res and stuff because the Koala Pad was basically just a joystick. That's all it was on the Apple, too. And, uh, yeah, and yeah. the uh, Cocoa has less resolution than the uh, uh, Apple did. But, yeah, a separate graphic tablet would always be good. It was one of those products that did come out for the cocoa, not sell at all. I mean, they're too expensive. Yeah, it was four hundred dollars. Yeah, wow, Wow. it's more than the cocoa itself. It's crazy. It was Uh, an actual digitizer tablet, though. It would do two fifty six by two fifty six resolution. Had a hard had a hardwired pen on it, and um, it even detected if you were close to the tablet but not touching, and the difference between that and an actual touch because you could hover the mm -hmm. cursor if you were just a little bit above, Mm -hmm. and then draw when you put the pencil down. Nice. Mm-hmm. Hey, I found something on the OPL3 here. Uh, this one page, it says that uh, polyphonic from 9 to 18 voices and now can also be hard panned to extreme left or right. Ooh. So it sounds like sounds like it might be a stereo chip. I noticed on the pinouts there's an A0 and A1. So mm-hmm. it sounds like it might be stereo with panning control. Yeah. Now, if you're sending in the audio via the multipack into the Coco, it's got to be mono. Right, but if you were to uh, you know program it directly, it sounds like you could probably get stereo. I'm still looking yeah, for you, a data sheet for this. Well, 
Yeah, he's got audio jacks on the uh, multi-track. Yeah, yeah, I know some of the OPL chips do have stereo, so it might. Yeah. Actually, it says simple on the Wikipedia page. It says simple stereo, hard left, center, or hard right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not panned. Yeah. No. Four-channel sound output. That's still pretty cool. A lot better than what we got. Yeah. (laughs) Cool beans. Have uh, do we need to do we need to talk a little bit more about that multi pack? Are we ready to move on to the next news, news item? Oh, I could talk about it for two days, but we should move on. <laughs> I, I did post another uh, uh, stay YouTube on target. video. If stay you on target. To. Yeah. Okay. I'll post it. Any other news? Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. We got. We have an ad. Okay. So this one's coming up. This is an ad lib. In the good old days of DOS, I remember having an ad lib on my PC. So this is the same chip that we're listening to now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is coming through and sending new stereo. Wow. It's good. Yep. Oh yeah, sold. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. I like Richard's comment in the chat there. Now I want to watch Miami Vice. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we do have uh, hopefully in the near future coming to a Coco near you the new Mega Multi MPI um, with uh, with the kitchen sink attached. At the kitchen sink optional. Right. Yep. I should mention one other thing about the Mega MPI. The the standard 16550 chip at a normal clock goes up to 115.2 kilobaud. From what I've been reading on the specs on, on Facebook there that Ed's been posting, he's actually clocking it higher, so we'll be able to do even faster baud rates than that. Wow. And I think I think he's going to support MIDI as well, so yeah. you can do, yeah. Yep, turbo drive wire. Turbo drive wire. All right, so now we've talked about Farfall. We've talked about <clears> his... Um, Hello all. MPI. This is John Linville. So let's get to the part where we actually Thursday, see the Thursday, the 5th of plan. April, 2008. All right. Okay. First, a dedication page. Very nice. I think you want to uh, advance a little bit now. for the yeah. game. Press the button. He oh, doesn't, go. And a special doesn't play the music. My other buddy, Neil. I have two, buddy, two buddies named Neil. <laughs> there we go. Anyway... Um, there you go. Title screen music. So there you can hear the uh, far far music is played on the the uh, sound chip. There we go. Hopefully you can still hear the footsteps. I can hear them. They use the one bit sound, which is still mixed in, uh, no matter what the video audio source. Um, all right. Uh, so they digitized you heard speech. me say high score, so I have a digitized speech sample in there. Here's the uh, the initial entry screen, pretty much unchanged. So I'll put my initials in, it's a high score. Okay, now listen up. Alright, so there's another little <laughs> digitized effect that uh, I've put into the game. Uh, so. 
So there you have it. There is Farfall, the master edition of Farfall. That'll be available at Coco Fest. And as you can hear here, it's using that Game Master sound chip, and he's got some polyphonic music there. Uh, and so uh, there you go. If you haven't got enough copies of Farfall, you can get yourself another copy, this one with enhanced music. So pretty cool stuff. Is there a discount for people who already bought the uh, original? You would have to speak to Mr. J.W. himself for that one. <laughs> so, uh, I've already mentioned the uh, promo code, but probably worth mentioning again, right? So if you want to get yourself some swag, uh, 15 for you will take 15% off of all of your, of all of your Coco swag. And um, did you have anything in Ron's garage this week, Ron, that we need to talk about? No, just uh, I've been playing with um, the high-color graphics viewer, and um, I'm just going to show quickly, briefly, without you having to play the news. This is a picture of a crater that I took with my camera on the telescope, oh, and wow. I put it on the cocoa. This is uh, the crater Co Copernicus. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, and it looks actually pretty damn good on the uh... using the um, high color graphics viewer, and uh, made a BMP from it, and then put it on here, and um, it's flipping three three colors, but I guess there's three shades of gray. <laughs> okay. I don't know exactly know how it works with gray gray colors, but uh, I was able to do it on the cocoa with a picture of my car. And my wife, and uh, that's a BMP. They both look pretty hot there, Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coco 3 worked really well. And I've been having a lot of fun. Um, that's that's kind of what I've been uh, blowing my time on, is um, taking uh, pictures that I enjoy that I've had. That, and like this one, I, I'd like to take this one and, and have it so that it comes up on the cocoa. That would be cool. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So <clears throat> that's what I've been working on. It's a lot of fun. I learned that um, I would like to have this uh, crater centered, but uh, I'm learning how, how to um, position it when um, you make it, make, when you make a BMP. You okay. have to make it so that the picture is centered, and it's not exactly figured out yet. Okay. But – Interesting stuff. Okay. Hey, oh, and I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching our uh, thing on um, uh, Roku. Oh, which our one is this show? It's our show on Roku. Our show is on Roku. Yeah, because they have uh, Coco TV, YouTube, YouTube. Oh, they YouTube. have YouTube on. Roku. Oh, I was yeah. gonna say, how the hell do yeah, they you watch it on YouTube? Okay. Yeah, pretty cool. Huh? YouTube on your Roku device. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, neat. That's very cool. Um, Nick Morentes, and I know Nick Morentes is not the author of VCC, but he is the author of Pop Star Pilot. And there's a person in the live chat by the name of Rob, and he's saying he's he just bought Pop Star Pilot. He's playing it on VCC, and the background flickers. How do I fix it? Uh, you've got to fix VCC. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, VCC's not em emulating the uh, some of the signals on the um, on a real from a real Coco correctly, and that was one of the problems with VCC. Um, it, it, when he says it flickers, there's a, a jumping up and down movement of uh, um, of the of the background. 
Uh, MAME doesn't do it. MAME's uh, w- works correctly, uh-huh. but VCC, yeah, VCC is the problem there. And it's perfect on a real cocoa, of course. Right, yeah. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, VCC has not really become the current standard. It's, yeah. It's not it, become the no current one, standard for emulation anymore. No one's, there's no one actually actively working on VCC. That's so. not quite true. Uh-oh. There is oh, a new version. Okay. Lee, Lee Patterson right. has been starting to fiddle with it. He's been experimenting, getting some of the math divide routines in there. He's actually done some test code to get like div Q and a few other things to get basic nine working. Mm-hmm. So he is working on it on and off as he gets time. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah. it might be hope. Okay. But in the meantime, the, the, if you want <clears throat> the only really mostly reliable source for Cocoa 3 emulation is, is with MAME. Mame slash mess. The current and also the problem becomes when you say I'm playing this on VCC. Well, what version of VCC? The last version before it went open source was 1.42. Now we're on like 2.01 something. Bravo. So there's a two there's a 2.0 version of VCC which probably does not fix the problem either. It and doesn't. When, and when I say Mame, unfortunately there are people that have a Mame that's six years old. You need to have pretty much the latest version of Mame, which is 0.9 something. I don't even know what the latest version of Mame is right now. What's the difference between Mame and VCC? Yeah. Oh, there's a ton of differences. It's a completely different piece of software and the way it works and the user interface. There's, there's a spit ton of. Then why is it said together? What Mame and Mess? Yeah. Because, because they're both emulators. They're bo- because it's it's a combined project now. Mess used to be a separate project. Mess was the multi-emulation super station, super system, and um, MAME is multiple arcade machine emulator, but those two projects are now one binary. Uh, so it's one super-duper emulator that, that runs anything and everything. Yeah, the original Mess was meant to run uh, home consoles and home computers only, and the original MAME was meant to run arcade machines. Now, those have common chips and common sound chips and common CPUs, so they decided to merge a project together since there's so much shared code. Mm-hmm. So now it runs absolutely everything. All right. Sometimes um, poorly. Now, of course, the while MAME has better hardware-based emulation, there's a more there's a steeper degree of difficulty in getting it up and running and, and using it. Um, you have to drag ROMs into a ROM folder for all the various Cocoa machines you want to emulate. You then still have to mount disk images. The user interface is far from elegant. Um, <laughs> If you're running Windows, you can get what's known as MAME UI or MESS UI, which adds a slightly better user interface and a pull-down menu that makes loading images and stuff a little bit easier. Um, but still, the, the, the VCC was an elegant design, but just unfortunately is an outdated emulation core. You know, And artifacting on VCC sucked, too. <laughs> well, I do want to add one thing about MAME is that on the Coco 3 emulation, there's currently a P-mode screen graphics. Um, I don't remember which mode it was, but one of the P-modes is broken in it. So if you run any game that uses that specific P-mode, it's, yeah, it won't work. Um, And William Astle gave me some code to try, and if it worked, then I was to submit it for a change but the main people didn't like it and they want the whole code changed but i basically said it works as is i'm not changing it because i don't have time to conform to their craziness <laughs> okay 
So this, is this a recent update that's broken something? Um, I have no idea how long it's been broken. Um, but most people usually just play Coco 2 games on a Coco 2. Oh, so and in, since the, this... in the Coco 3 specific MAME, there's a broken Coco 2 thing. But if you just run a Coco 2, that wouldn't be a problem. Right. But okay. this is a, a common P mode that should work on a Coco 3, which it yeah. does work on a real Coco 3. Right, it's just right. that MAME just, yeah, it's... It's the whole, how are they handling the SAM um, <clears throat> settings versus the the gimme uh, special graphics. And it's like they're not taking account um, from what the comments that William had. It was <clears throat> they weren't dealing with the state of the SAM correctly. So, yeah, it's just it's just a whole bunch of stuff that it's like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with MAME because it's a pain in the ass to use and, you know, it doesn't have a good user interface, but it's a pretty, I would call, I call it close to rock-solid emulation on, on most of the things it does for the Coco. Um, you know, it does pretty well. Nothing's perfect and nothing beats real hardware. Um, we don't always have the luxury of that hardware, but when, whenever possible, you want the real thing. Um, with Popstar Pilot, you need not only a Coco 3, but a Coco 3 with 512. So, you know, getting Coco 3s, David hit the freaking gold mine. He got his Coco 3 and a CM8, uh, David, Miami David. So, yeah. um, but not everybody, you know, the, the chips don't always work that way for everyone. So, um, another good excuse to come to Coco Fest. There might be one in the no minimum bid auction, uh, you want to bid on. It's probably a good segue to head over to Coco Fest. If uh, any other thing we want to comment on some of the news items that we talked about, OPL sound chips. Uh, you can definitely hear the difference. Now, listen on on the Farfall chip on the Farfall demo that we saw. That wasn't the most sophisticatedly produced, or, you know, composed music. No. It was fairly simple music, and and you know, John's not a musician. No, no foul there. Um, and uh, even though the music composition wasn't sophisticated, you could hear what the chip sounds like. You could hear what multi-voice sounds like. That chip doesn't sound bad, but when you compare it to what we heard on the OPL, the OPL does sound like a better chip. Now. The OPL samples we listen to, we don't know if that's going to be the same exact chip that Ed's going to use. But in any case, there are different types of chips with different quality of sound capabilities. And um, none of them are bad. Some of them are different. Some of them, might, some people might argue to say, I prefer how this sounds versus that sound. You know, your mileage may vary. But um, I, I did like the way Farfall sounded. It, Farfall's music was always fairly simple. Um, part of that because it had to fit into the interrupt routines of a Coco One, uh, and now sounds as simple. But you know, at least there's two layers of the simple soundtrack to it now, so it sounds a little cooler. Um, I, I kind of liked it. I liked how he mixed in the um, the DAC bass sounds with the synthesized sounds. So it's a good. It's basically putting your money where your mouth is, saying, "Listen, here, here's a game making music. You know, you guys make something too if if you want to choose to use that chip." And um, I think, it's, I think it sounds okay. It's, that's the Tandy 1000 chip. I love the Tandy 1000 music. People yeah, if you've heard stuff. like King's Quest and some of that stuff on the yeah. Tandy 1000, mm -hmm. that's what it's capable of doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And w w with a with a you know with a good composer. <laughs> John, right. John, John's a good guy, but he's not a musical composer. <laughs> okay. 
Moving uh, right along. We're moving on. We're moving on now. So now what we're going to get on to is we are going to move over to the world of events. And what is the next big event that we are all excited about here, boys and girls? What is only two weeks away? We're talking about Coco Fest. And one of the things I noticed on the Glenside website, which you can go to at glensideccc.com, when you look at the list of who's attending right now, as I scroll through this list here, this is almost like watching a Marvel movie now as far as looking at the credits. There is a large list of attendees now that are confirmed. Uh, I'm not going to try to count them all, but I'm going to say we're probably going to, you know, we're going to hit the 100. We're going to hit the triple digits this year at Coco Fest. Feeling. Um, this would be pretty cool. This, uh, this doesn't include the dancing girls or anything like that, right? So, um, so here's our list of attendees. That's looking good. Um, when we look at our events, I'm not sure if anything here has changed. So far, if it hasn't changed, I won't remark on it because we've mentioned the same things a few different times. Lightning Talks, Steve Bjork is going to be talking. Awards Ceremony. Our auction, the no minimum bid auction. If, if, you don't, if you don't even like human interaction and you just like good deals on vintage equipment, this is where you got to go right here. The no minimum bid auction. This is like speed dating meets eBay. You know, it's just like real quick. You get your stuff and you get it cheap. Um, trivia contest, chit chat, hangout time, musical jams, sing along. Uh, I'm definitely I want to I definitely want to hear what Jamie Cho has to say. I'd like to meet this guy. He seems pretty interesting. The Coco Crew podcast live that should be fun. Maybe we can all troll the Coco Crew. What do you guys think? Coco talk trolls Coco Crew. <laughs> mm -hmm. A live trolling session. <laughs> Bunch of hecklers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get off the stage. Yeah, so <laughs> we got the Cocoa Lunch, another auction, and then our cleanup, and then our offsite dinner. Don't forget to touch the heron. So <laughs> and David's got, head. Yes. And then do we have any new exhibitors lined up? We have celebrity Rick Adams. We have celebrity Steve Bjork, the man, the myth. That guy who brought Zaxxon to the Coco, analyzer of audio spectrum and haunter of Halloweens to this day. Ooh, that's a nice bio there, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it either. Ah, now under podcasters, now we've got uh, the, and I've just been moved to the bottom of the list. <laughs> <Podcasters>. <laughs> so we got Boise under podcasters. Uh, we Is got he doing podcasters? No. Well, he is a podcaster, but so, oh, yeah, so okay. you got Boise, John, well, Mike, Neil. All, all four of the first four are the same uh, podcast. Coco Crew, yeah, so the Coco Crew <laughs> guys. They're not, and, and technically they will be doing a Coco Crew live there, so a podcast will take place. Um, so, yeah, I have been conveniently bumped to the bottom of the list here under <laughs> podcasters. And then we have uh, maker of uh, fine quality microphone cables, Boyce on Tech will be there. And um, uh, Brian Schubring, our music man who joined us last week. It was nice to have Brian on the show. Here we go. Brendan's Coco VGA, Mark Marlette, Cloud9, Color Computer Store, Bruce Moore, Fuzix, Hawksoft. This looks like a lot of the same. Ease of Use Project, looking good there. There's Jim Brain with his 1972 high school photo there. Uh, <laughs> Richard Crislip, Henry Wrightfeld and Company, Sub Ether Software, Alan Huffman. Going for you there, so. Oh, um, uh, Steve, refresh the page. Refresh the page. Uh oh, <laughs> are we having a podcasting tug of war now? Yep. 
Suck on this, Coco Crew. <laughs> <laughs> Top of the world, ma. <laughs> we're being trolled. We're being, we're trolling the website right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my it's, goodness uh, gracious! Oh, it's war. good to be the webmaster. <laughs> Give him a raise, Stevie. Give him a raise. You got a raise. All right. So triple. Give him triple this week. Coco Fest is is uh, Coco Fest is what we're all looking forward to. Two weeks from today, our annual migration, the gathering of the coconuts. Um, Actually, we, we all need to take pictures and put ourselves on the podcast too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A group photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, see, yeah, see. Uh, <laughs> Richard says we need screaming girls. Screaming can girls, we, yes. Can we hire them? Can we hire any usually... for Coco Fest? I, oh, I can bring my eight-year-old daughter. She can scream like a, the Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, and especially if David starts talking about TTL and, uh, and floppy controllers, <laughs> uh, UARTs, and uh, <laughs> oh, Stevie, talk dirty Lightning to me. Scene. That's so good. <laughs> Oh Bit my time God. in space and mark. Oh, good night, everybody. Uh, <laughs> well, it's been three hours. It's been three hours. It's time to and put this, put this yeah, show yeah. out of its misery. <laughs> you got it. Uh, Have we beat this one to death? Oh, I yes. got the baseball bat. A lot. A lot. So we talked about this a little bit on our exclusive episode that we recorded for the DVD. That's also available to our patrons. But what I asked there when we were all t- t- l- uh, lamenting about Coco Fest is, what are some of your predictions? You got any? You guys want to go around the room before we wrap up the show and give us some Coco Fest predictions for this year? We're going to be we're going to be over a hundred people this year. Okay, hundred people, triple digits. That's a good one. Uh, lots of hardware that we've seen and not seen before, and uh, lots of new people showing up to show off stuff. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Good food. Good food. Yeah. yeah, the bar. Good times. Good times. Lots of good conversation. Yeah. Celebrities. I think, uh, I, I think we'll I have know. more musicians at the jam session on Saturday. Nice. That'd be nice. There's uh, lots of uh, ease of use talk, it sounds like it's going to be going on. Lots mm-hmm. of uh, finalizing stuff for it. So hopefully for other projects too. Marco, are you going to bring a bass guitar? I was hoping to, but I already got a lot of other stuff I want to bring. So I'm kind of thinking I probably won't. Mm. Much to my dismay. Maybe Brian will have one. Or reach out to Brian on Facebook. See if he can bring one for you. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. We, we get to see we get to see Bruce's project or the unveiling of of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. World premiere. Coco forever. Yeah. Get I... to see an MC10 in person. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Yep. <laughs> Under which uh-huh. door? Yeah. Under which door? <laughs> I'm looking trying forward to emotionally to... scar people with the yeah. MC10. I'm looking forward to meeting all you guys who I haven't met in person. Uh, okay. For those of you who I have, looking forward to seeing you all again. Looking forward to getting the majority of Coco Talk together. Uh, you know, for a group photo and you know maybe a impromptu Coco Talk session or something like that. Um, Richard says we get to see David break something. <laughs> get to see this David break live and in person. This will be your time, uh, Steve, to put together um, little 
clippets of commercials from all these different people. Yeah, bumpers. Yeah. They'll all be together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get bumpers yeah. from everybody. Hit me up for one because mm-hmm. I never have done one for the show yet. So. Yes, that's true. So it's Curtis Boyle, friend of Bill <laughs> No Bull. <laughs> and Ron Deluxe. Ron Deluxe, yeah. Let's do this. Let's <laughs> let's do it. What did I'm, it was going to be completely random? Which one we're going to see? But we talked about getting to see David break something in person. Let's watch a "What did David break this week?" video real quick. Okay. Give him an MC10. ESP eighty two sixty six dash one RS two thirty two TTL Wi Fi network four pin DIN Fitbanger DB nine PC IP drive wire drive wire drive wire. <laughs> you want to hear screaming, you want to hear screaming women just get david to talk about a uh, esp ttl drive wire setup <laughs> now stevie stop flirting <laughs> uh, oh man we were you up all to, scare me yeah we were up to something like 27 or 29 live viewers uh, i saw 29 at one point yeah so i want to say thank you to disney saints fan one of our patrons um steve bjork in the live chat tom c wayne aaron came by alexander wallace from mexico terry steen was in the live chat Davey Mitchell, our friend from the UK, maker of the Cocoa Pigs game. Retro Innovations in the live chat. Um, who else? Richard Lorbieski. Trolling as usual. Yeah, Rob. Rob with the uh, VCC flicker issue was in the live chat. Brendan Donahue was in the live chat. Uh, Coco Man was in the live chat. David Ladd also in the live chat, uh, leaving comments and shenanigans. So. Um, thank you all for watching us today live on Coco Talk. I want to thank everybody who's left on the panel. I know we've had a few people come and go. Paul Thayer had to leave. I'm trying to remember who else who left. Uh, they fell asleep, I Jim think. Jim Brain. Jim Brain had to leave. Um, so Bill still Noble. with us, Bill Noble. Noble was on the call. Uh, the, originer, the originator of the EMP. <laughs> and so, still Any idea of After Dark tonight? Uh, it's possible. It's possible. Um, as long as uh, I don't get too damn tired, which happens sometimes. But yeah, I'm not feeling too tired right now, so that's a possibility. Uh, we can discuss on Discord. It's 5 o'clock now, so it's possible. Maybe an 8, an 8-ish. Get some, get some joke. Or 9. Eight, yeah, 9, maybe 9. So anybody watching nine. live. 9. 9. 9. 9. I got 9 pieces of vinyl. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're watching us on YouTube and you're not already a friend of the Facebook page, uh, friend the Facebook page, and that's where we do our Coco Talk After Dark shows. That's We're overdue for one of those. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, good, good strong possibility of, of an After Dark. Good question there, Ronnie. So, yep. still, in, still in the panel, Mark D. Overholzer, uh, our original Apple guy. Uh, David Ladd is still with us. James Diffendaffer is still here. Bruce Moore of Coco Forever is here. Nick Marentes from Australia is still here. Author of Pop Star Pilot, Gun Star, Fun Star, you name it, Star. Uh, Steve Bjork, maker of too many things to mention. And Terry Steen, also maker of many things that we need to get a formal interview of in the near future. And Richard Lorbieski, maker of things that uh, Jim fixes. Don't work. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> 
Brendan Donahue, creator of the Coco VGA, and our new friend David in Miami, new Coco fan and uh, purchaser of many products of our community already. Thank you, David. <laughs> Coco Man, as seen as at PenFest 99 and 2000, also to be seen at Coco Fest this year. Bring your pen for an autograph. Rondelvo <laughs> is here. Hey, how you doing? Curtis Boyle, Grant Leaney, and myself, OJ Steve Stroh. We want to thank you all for watching. Any parting thoughts, closing things you guys want to say? Plugs? Coco forever, people. Coco forever. Do you have your <laughs> Coco tree yet? I do. Hey, you got your Coco tree Nitrous nine, yet? ease of use. Wrong button, but we might as well hear the song. Ay, 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 as Richard likes to say. And uh, this is the button I was looking for. <laughs> Richard says, what's the topic today? <laughs> it's the Tandy Coco 1000 Segatari stick. Uh, all right, guys, so we're going to sign off. I want to thank you all for watching. And if you're new to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, too. I forget to mention that all the time. So we're out of here. here and to scored. And Discord, and Discord. yeah. The, the um, link to the Discord chat server is in the description of this video, so check out Discord. We are going to begin our closing ceremonies. This is not the end. This is only the beginning of the end, so stay tuned. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, then visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash OGSteviestro. Coco Talk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant yeah, Leedy, Bruce Moore, Rick Adams, Rom Delvo, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Nick Marentis, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our Best of 2017 episode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Tandy Assembly at tandyassembly.com. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N, tech.com. Should we play a rap song for Richard? Sure, why not? I know. Yeah! Love that. Is Bruce already gone? No, Bruce, Bruce is still here. Right. The globe thing is like world national.
leading. Mark Overholzer, here comes that high note. Yeah! <laughs> Brendan Donahue, our fashion model. Ron <laughs> and there's the Coco <laughs> cat. Smirk. All right, now for the post-credit scene. <laughs> I love the one shot of the Coco Fest. You got the guy in the background looking towards the camera. He's way off and back, going like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> That's where you need the caption. It says, "What are we talking about?" <laughs> uh oh, Brendan Donahue shared a photo. Is this? Oh, this is stacking up That's the a, uh, the stack. Yep. Holy crap. I just need that Big Mac sauce on it. Yeah, right? Yep. Let me see if I can yep, open that that's up. A, that's a Pal Dragon 32. Let's see if we get that thing to open up. Holy crap, is that a stack there? That's what you got to have in order to clear the uh, component on the other side, obviously. Wow. Yeah, it's actually worse. The The case is uh, is indented on that side, so it's to clear the case. Oh. But, uh, but we'll have another board form factor that fits this properly. Is there any signal loss or performance degradation by having this much? So not on the VGA signal. And to be honest, since it's PAL, I can't tell. Ah, because you don't so, have, do you have not have a PAL screen for that? That's right. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, like I said, for the digital signal, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a, it's a kludge. It, it's it, a kludge. It made uh, Vintage Computer Festival demonstrations happen, but uh, it okay. won't be permanent. In the uh, in the hardware design industry, that would be what's known as a fluster cluck. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, but look it, at that! But the demo works. The demo works. So hey, yeah, that's right. There's that nice, lovely Sam. The Sam chip. All right, those of you out there who are still watching us in YouTube land, this concludes the post-credit scene. Uh, <laughs> this would be this was, <laughs> Richard says this would be a finished retro innovations unit <laughs> this is where we say are you still here are you still here <laughs> go, go home, home. Go, go home, home. <laughs> hey that uh, hasn't been made yet we'll deal uh, with yeah. that later. move along move along we're nothing to see here yes we're signing off of YouTube thank you for watching <laughs> bye everyone until <laughs> next well. week and we're out so there. Or tonight. <laughs> or tonight, yes. And you're out. And we're off the air. All right. Good times. It's the best three hours. Now of what my we life, really guys. think. Yeah. I could yeah, think of a better way to spend three hours than with you. The last one and is this, always the best, isn't it? Now, this Stevie, three hours went really fast too. We missed out on why did Tandy do that, but I think it's going to work better for next week. Okay. Because it's just before the fest. Yep. There you go. Last one before the fest. Yep. Yeah, like, why did Tandy never do a fest? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Richard yeah, says, Stevie, Stevie Rap, I have lost my will to live. <laughs> For the record, I did, I did not create the rap, but I take great joy and pride in the fact that it disturbs Richard this much. Meow. So. <laughs> I see it as a way of reaching different audiences, so I think it's perfectly acceptable, you know? The wrap. Mm -hmm. There's the cocoa putty. <laughs> cocoa putty. So, uh, are we going to have a cocoa band at this uh, cocoa talk or cocoa um, fest? Yeah, you know, it's, it's looking like it. It's looking like it. Mm -hmm. We we've had it for the past two years. 
cool. So, uh, Curtis on guitar. Um, last year, we also had um, Ben Anding play a little bit on uh, keyboard. Uh, Brian Schubring usually plays on a rhythm guitar, too. And I think Alan played a little bit last year, too, didn't he, Curtis? Or Curtis left. Um, All right. So, yeah. Aren't you guys going to play uh, something to uh, Coco playing or something with the new chip? <laughs> mm, actually, we tried that. We tried to play against one of Brian's MIDI tracks, but it's a little. Unfortunately, when you've got a soundtrack, sometimes and you're doing it live, it's hard. If you miss one beat, the whole thing's off and stuff. Um, we tried that, but yeah, um, there are there are actual real musicians, but I'm. I'm a fake drummer and I play his fake drum set. It's like a really crappy old drum machine. Um, and so I I can play fake drums on his fake drum set, okay. I can keep a beat, put it that way. Uh, here's Richard. Richard, did you fix your microphone? Or did you get Jim to fix it? He's not here. Cue the right. crickets. Yep. Oh, look and at that cat. That cat is loving it. I'm going to end the local recording now, too. So we are now ending the bonus content for Coco Sauce. Coco Sauce. What yeah. it's called, yeah. <laughs> Coco Sauce. 